Hello, friends. Hello, fellow Fruit Loops. I'd like to thank our executive producer for the show. It is Lady Sandy. Thank you very much. If any of you would like to be an executive producer for a for $20 or more, for a donation of $20 or more, whether it's Cash App, whether it's a super sticker or a super thanks, that'll make you an executive producer for the next day's show. All the money goes to our, our music license for our radio stream. Thank you guys very much. Today, we've got a really good show for you. We're going to talk about possible medications that Brian Kohlberger was on and how that would have affected him. I want to hear from the audience on this topic. Some of you have taken uh, some of these medications before, whether it's, I don't know, Zoloft, Xanax, anything like that. I want to hear about your experiences on them. I've heard about them before from other people. I want to hear them from you. We're also going to talk about media intimidation, how the media keeps on attacking online sleuths. I'm talking about you, Brian, and how they've done much more damage in the past than anybody has online as far as somebody getting a fair trial or actually affecting the judge's orders on the trial. We're going to go into that today. We're going to talk about DNA, Brian Kohlberger. Brian Nothingberger. For this case, they used uh, hereditary DNA. There's an article out. We're going to go over that where it talks about hereditary DNA, how it's used, and how it wasn't actually needed in this case, but they went on it. They used it anyway. We have uh, Steve Goncalvez's lawyer. He was recently interviewed by Law and Crime, a little bit on that, where he talks about the affidavit and how it's damaging to the prosecution's case because of its... It's uh, unclear points. We're going to go over that. We're going to go over phone calls. And uh, we have a little bit more about Papa Roger. We're going to go into that and much more today on the flip side of this. This is Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. Thank you for all joining me. This conversation is a show with you. Flip that, reverse it. This show is a conversation with you. Thank you for all joining. And I've got something I'm going to show you later. I'm going to show you our merchandise store. It's not open yet, but I'm going to show you behind the scenes. We have Midnight Radio cups and uh, all kinds of things, donut holders, whatnot. We have wine tumblers with donuts on it. All the kind of things that any of you Fruit Loops would want. We need to get a breakfast cereal bowl. I'm working on that. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to let you know, if you're interested in becoming a member for Midnight Radio, I'm going to let you know how to do that at the end of the show. Our members get a lot of benefits, including Discord, which is what you hear going off now. So apparently they're talking in there. I have something I want to go over in Discord, which relates to the media intimidation going on in this this trial, this case, this media frenzy. So let's go over our first topic that I want to go over, and that is Steve Goncalves's lawyer talking about the subpoena, not the subpoena, why don't I say that, the affidavit, affidavit. All right, here we go. Information than anybody expected. Um, I've read probable cause affidavits in the past, um, just through my 
as a prosecutor and a criminal defense attorney, and this was pretty extensive. It kind of lays out the prosecution's case. Um, I'm sure there's there will be additional evidence that they have that they haven't released in the probable cause affidavit, but gives you a good guideline for how they determined that it was the defendant in this case. And so, you know, you have the the automobile, you have the with the video and the and the um, uh, the pings off of the telephone records and. Um, and the DNA evidence and the witness information and and there's a lot of little and the timing of the things uh, that happen so a lot of information in there uh, to digest and so but I thought it was you know it was well written and I thought they did a good job of it I think they wanted to make sure they had probable cause <laughs> so they put plenty of information in there to establish that um, ready to start eating healthier hell no come on man Nobody wants to eat the that. Is the world's the hell all in is one that? Milkshake. Nobody wants to buy something that looks like that. So we're just hopeful that, you know, they've said all along that they not only want an arrest, but they want a conviction. So we're hopeful that, you know, there's, I, I you know, you have to really realize that there's probably three other crime scenes that, or areas to gather evidence still available. You still have his apartment. You still have the car. And you also have his parents' house. And who knows what they're going to find in that, those locations and what evidence they might gather, as well as all the information that might be coming in now that people know who he is, right? So um, a lot of circumstantial evidence, I expect, will be coming into the police department about different things about the defendant and any connections that he may have had to any of the victims in the case. We all have to remember that she is a victim in this case. You know, I don't know if anybody can, you know, everyone's there to second guess what happened uh, and how she should have or might have could have reacted. Um, you know, she states in the, I think in the affidavit that she froze in that moment and then went back in her room and, you know, and ultimately the 911 call wasn't made until later, you know, eight hours later, I believe, or something along those lines. But who knows? I mean, people, maybe she saw him and maybe she thought he was going out for a smoke on the, out on the, out on the deck and coming back in, who knows what was going through her mind. And, but I don't think anybody should be putting any blame or anything on her about anything. And the family feels the same way. She is, she's going through a traumatic uh, incident where she had four roommates that were murdered. Uh, she. I'm thinking most people feel like that, but people also wonder what the heck. I think that's the general state of everybody. Correct me if I'm wrong when I open up the phone lines was able to garner some information that helped out the affidavit. Uh, the identification of the black clothes, of the black mask over his nose, uh, the bushy eyebrows, approximate height, uh, approximate build, very critical to the uh, investigation. I mean, if they bring in a guy that's 6'6 and doesn't match the description, right, then you have a different, but it... it I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. I got something else I want to show you right here. Let me show you guys this. This is very interesting. This is about her. This is about where she was standing, what she could see, what the light level was from the door where she was. And this came from our Discord group. If you guys become a member second to third tier, you're, you have the ability to go in our Discord group, and that's where we put a lot of information there all day long, a lot of good information. Let me bring that up for you. I want you guys to see this and tell me what you think. Of course. All right. Never mind. Here we go. Uh, 
All right, there's that. I've got several different photos I want to show you here. All right, here we go. So we'll start with this first one, and I'll read this post. For you on your big screen. Okay, the door of bedroom 2A slightly open, as viewed from the living room, 1122 path of exit of intruder. And a view from bedroom 2A looking toward the living room passage toward bedroom 2B, Xana's room in darkness. To see if the good vibes neon sign might dazzle and obscure the, the exiting intruder from seeing DM in door 2A, I think DM saw him, but he never saw DM. That is also why there was no exchange of words. No matter how tired, he would not have left witnesses who actually saw him. So this is a view right here. You see that? So this is a door of bedroom 2A, slightly open, as viewed from the living room 1122, path of exit of intruder, and a view of 2A, looking toward the living room passage toward bedroom 2B, Xana's room in darkness. To see if the good vibes neon sign might dazzle and obscure the exiting intruder from seeing DM in the door of 2A, I think DM saw him, but never saw DM. That is also why there was no exchange of words, no matter how tired he would not have left witnesses who actually saw him here's another view of this see that can you see anything this is with the light obscured this is with it unobscured obscured unobscured obscured unobscured obscured let me make sure it's centered for you guys oh there we go obscured Unobscured. Obscured, unobscured. All right. So there's a lot to go over there, I think. I think it's interesting. Again, I'll put a link to all this in the description below the video after the live is over, so you guys can look, look at that on your own. Uh, I need to let you guys know this. Some of you are saying you like membership, but you don't have the money. Well, we're going to hook you up tonight. If you've enabled your memberships, you can get gifted a free membership. If you don't know how to gift your memberships, ask Jenna. She knows how. She'll tell you. She's in the chat room. That's the Midnight Minion right there. All right. Let's continue here. Moving right along. Uh, this is a possible view of what Jenna might have seen. Not Jenna. Of what DM might have seen. I know Jenna's seen it already. This is a view of what DM possibly saw as Nothing Burger was walking by, what the mask looked like and the bushy eyebrows and everything. This is him with a good vibes lighting in his bushy eyebrows. That is what she possibly seen. This is a wild ass speculation, mind you. This is a really far out theory. I pulled this theory deep from within my speculations. But I think that might be him. All right, moving along here. Again, this is things, interesting things on our Discord here. So don't blame me. Now, um, 
this is very interesting. So this came out, and I'll just slide. Oh, let me go. I'll show this to you guys too. Okay. All right, I can just slide this one over. I can slide this one over the eyebrows right here. This came out from law enforcement, and uh, this has some people. What is this? This has some people talking. And this is a conversation I want to have with you guys since I think it's very interesting and it deals with law and law as it applies to this case. Let's see here. All right. Spokane, Washington. Whitman County has sealed the search warrant for University of Idaho student murder suspect, Nothing Burger, Bicknose. Residents at the Steptoe Village Apartments in Pullman. According to court documents, releasing the search warrant would create serious and imminent threats to law enforcement and could prematurely end the investigation, which would cause a threat to public safety. Releasing the details of the Whitman County search warrant would also risk the personal privacy of witnesses, victims, and the victims' families. The court documents will be kept sealed for a limited amount of time. Whitman County estimates that the murder investigation will likely come to a close within two months. The documents will be sealed until March 1st, 2023. You guys got that? So, what does this mean? Well, there's a lot of talk about this. So, guys, if you're a member, and I know I'm talking about memberships a lot, and that's because this shows the conversation with you. And even after the live stream is over, the conversation still continues on Discord. It goes on all day on Discord. There's all kind of uh, information exchanged on Discord. So you're naturally going to hear about it. So last night we had a, a live stream, and we watched, uh, we watched some videos together. And this brought up several um, interesting topics, in my opinion. Brian Nitton was interviewing Kaylee Gincalva's sister, which I guess I, I should go ahead and play for you guys. I'm going to pull that up right now because that relates to what I'm going to say. But one of the things he did was bash you again. And it really made me mad. I'm trying not to cuss. I'm trying to be reformed. This is a new year. I'm going to change Jerry. I'm going to be a nice guy now. I know I can do it. Let me put a let me pull up that video. <clears throat> let me pull up that video for you guys. In the video, he interviews uh, what's her name, Eva Goncalves. course they're not going to give him top billing ah here we go this is important i'd like to thank all right as soon as we get through this liberty mutual commercials horrible horrible stuff i mean liberty mutual is wonderful all right here we go This is kind of long. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to get to the relevant point 
of how Brian Enton uh, threw y'all under the bus. That's right. We've been so good to Brian. I don't know. Should we still be good to Brian? I'm, I don't think so. It's time to fry his butt. I want to bring in Kaylee's sister now, uh, Olivia. Thank you so much for, for being with us tonight, Olivia. You know, I remember from when we first started communicating, when all of this began, you told me that you believed that this was going to be a stranger uh, who came into the house. And, and according to the police, you know, you were right the way that all of this played out. But what did you think when you first learned uh, that Brian Koberger was the suspect? I think we always presume, you know, innocence. I don't think it really hit me until the affidavit was released and I was able to um, kind of read that and, and process that. And then you not only have a name and a face, but, uh, you know, the beginnings of a case against him. You have. That's right. I'm sorry. I don't know why I called her Ava. It's Olivia Goncalves. 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 What in the. It's Olivia Goncalves. Please forgive my ignorance. And my forgetfulness and all my other nurses. I've been working so hard behind the scenes. and I don't think a lot of people realize that because in many ways your dad has sort of been the face of the family. But since the beginning, you've been digging into this and trying to find leads and sending things uh, to the police. And you told me that, you know, you didn't feel like you would be able to really grieve until there was an arrest made. Do you feel like now you're able to do that? I think... My family, as well as myself, are, are starting to get there. Um, and it's kind of an odd time to do that, being that we still have such a long road ahead of us. But the relief that we all felt having a suspect in custody was, uh, it, it, it was like, I, I can't even describe it. Like, the weight of the world was lifted from our shoulders. Uh, I mean, the, the court process now, though, I mean, that's, um, you know, your dad has told me that 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 can be overwhelming to think about, um, the fact that you guys are going to have to be in court. Do, do you plan to be at the hearings? Yeah, every single one. One thing, back to the affidavit, that I think a lot of people were surprised by was the fact that one of their roommates was awake. Boom. So this Jack and Apes, he brought it up. He said a lot of people are concerned about it. He brought it up. But he's going to blame it on you. Hey, if you like Brian Enton, you hit that like button right now. If you don't like him, hit that like button right now. Um, when, the, uh, when the killer walked by and the, and the, the 911 call wasn't made until hours and hours later. Do you know any more about why? He said it. He said it. Watch what he does here. That might be. I don't have any other information for that. Um, I do know Dylan is really young and she was probably really, really scared. And until we have any more information, I think everyone should stop passing judgments because you don't know what you would do in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And there's people online, obviously. This jackass. Jackass. Yeah. And, and there's people. On, he was the one talking about it. News Nation talks about it every chance they get and they're going to blame you. Why? 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 I need a bullshit button. If you think this is bull crap, hit that like button. Okay, so this is what pisses me off. He has a sister of someone whose life was taken. He goes out of his way 
to mention the affidavit and how there was someone there who didn't call 911 for eight hours and that people are talking about it. And she said people are talking about it, and he takes it to the, yeah, the online sleuths. What? Wow. They're blaming you guys. Why? Because they're afraid of you. How many of you guys come here to get your information? I mean, by here, I mean YouTube. Instead of watching this, I can show you what he does. I can show you what they say. You don't even need to go there. It, it's totally inappropriate at this point, and you're right. No one knows how they would handle a situation. He's an inappropriate person in this conversation. ...like that, or what was really happening, I and mean, we only know what's in the probable cause uh, so far. Um, well, then, let me tell you this, Brian. How about you just plaster that probable cause on your website and shut the hell up? Why don't you do that, you jackass? Why? Because you know that this is what people want, and I'm all for... People getting the news that they want. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, when you pull these bullshit games and blame somebody else, that's bullshit. And when you take it farther than that, yeah, there are some YouTubers. That would be like me bashing Ashley for what Brian did. Yeah, there are some, and I'm, I mean probably two on social networks, one that faked the audio, Joseph Morris, and there's nobody here on YouTube that takes up for that. And then there's the person that faked the, the audio recently from that camera, which, again, I got more evidence on, but it's the evidence I got is still kind of flaky. But it looks like it is fake. It's absolutely disgusting. Are we at war with mainstream media? No, we're not at war because we don't give a crap about them. They feel like they are for us. Why? Because their ratings keep sucking down the sucking down the toilet. And I'm telling you what, this stuff that they're doing, and this is why I bring it up, it's getting worse. He is saying this about his own audience. We're the ones that watch him, nobody else. Uh, and if there are other people, I take that back. But if you tried to watch this online when it has like 20 minutes of commercials, most of the people are the online sleuths, and he keeps dissing us. I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be long before they have to stop doing that because we don't care. We, don't, we can turn their stuff off. I could have a lot more information than them and never turn on or talk about them again. They actually allow us to play their video clips. I'm getting sick of this. Somebody's saying replay it. I'll replay a part of it. I think everyone should stop passing judgment. I, and the, and the, the, the 911 call. Right. One thing back to the affidavit that I think a lot of people were surprised by was the fact that one of their roommates was awake um, when, the, uh, when the killer walked by. And the, and the, the 911 call wasn't made until hours and hours later. Do you know any more about why that might be? I don't have any other information for that. Um, I do know Dylan is really young, and she was probably really, really scared. And until we have any more information, I think everyone should stop passing judgments because you don't know what you would do in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And here's where he takes it to the sluice. 
And there's people online, obviously. It, it's Damn totally inappropriate online. at this point. And oh, you're right. God. No one knows how they would handle a situation like that or what was really happening. I and mean, we only know what's in the probable cause uh, so far. Um, is there anything you've learned that connect? We're going to stop right there. There'll be a link in the description below. I'm going to open the phone lines. I want to hear from you what you think. I could be completely wrong and off base. I'm used to that. I don't really value my opinions much. If I did, I'd just sit in the corner with my own opinions, stare at the wall, babble to myself, and not come on here every day to talk to you. The show's a conversation with you. I can handle being wrong. But open up that phone line, and you can just let it rip. I got more opinions that I don't value very much coming to you right now. Right now. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. All right. Um, I do have more actually in the Discord, too, that I want to show you. Oh, here we go. So I showed you that they sealed the the warrant of what they were searching for at Nothing Burger's residence. I did hear they got his computers, Papa Rogers' computers. We're waiting for the verification of Papa Rogers. I have a Papa Rogers email coming. Let me get to Papa Rogers here in a minute. I'm not going to read who said these comments. It doesn't matter. The fact is, all of them are good. This is a discussion that was had both last night when we were having the live stream of this Brian Inton debacle and also uh, in the Discord today. I read this as if it's too, if too much info gets out, it could jeopardize the charges against Nothing Burger, resulting in the evidence not being able to be used, which in turn could get BK off on some technical charge. resulting in uh, nothing burger being set free, hence causing threat to the public. That was one comment on this. And there was another comment. Right. This is why it's not in our best interest to celebrate evidence and intel leaks via the media. It definitely could hinder the ability to create a fair trial for or nothing burger, which could result in him winning an appeal. Uh, Jody Arias tried to pull that one, claiming she didn't have a fair trial. I'm patient. I can wait to hear the rest of the story. When it goes to trial, the important thing is if Cole Berger is guilty, he ends up in the slammer for life. That's a really good and valued comment. Let's see. Somebody put this, and I feel this is making a comment to the media and law enforcement, but mainly the media. They're, it almost is like they're making, they're, well, they are, they're forming the narrative. So I'm all about giving the people what they want. You guys want true crime? Hey, we'll do true crime because I like this uh, true crime. That's what I, I was doing before you guys got here, but... When you actually try to shape the narrative, which is what this jackass just did on that show, that clip I just played you, that is what that jackass just did. He's the one that talked about people online saying this. He's the one that said that. She didn't, he did. That's what he made the narrative. All right, here's the role of a reporter. They're supposed to go somewhere you're not and talk about what you what happened so you know 
Or in this case, he's interviewed somebody you don't have the opportunity to interview and tells you what they said. This bastard just formed the narrative. That is what it is. That is wrong. And that's what he did. He's a very shitty journalist. All right? I'm going to say that. So that being said, this comment I feel, and it's also the same comment we got last night when we were watching this live. And there's somebody that said that they were worried that us speculating, us talking about it would make him have an unfair trial or make the cameras specifically get pulled from the courtroom, which is a good point. But it's not. It's what the media wants you to think. They keep blaming, ladies and gentlemen, they keep blaming online sleuthing. But let me tell you something. There's a trial going on right now. I don't know if any of you have heard about it. The Lori Vallow trial. And, you know, there's not any cameras right now. Do you know why? Because somebody in the media was getting so close up to the table. In the media, the ones that were allowed in the courtroom, not the online sleuths. Somebody in the media got close to Jody. uh, Not Jody. They got close to Lori and her lawyer where they were trying to hear and listen in with their microphone to personal uh, attorney-client information so the judge made a court order where they don't have that anymore. They did that. They jeopardized the trial. Not online since We don't have the ability to do that. That is what our courts are for. We elect our courts. Judges are elected. Most of them in the higher courts are not. They're appointed. Judges are elected. Officials are elected. Uh, police chiefs are elected. All right? We hire them to make sure people get a fair trial. I mean, it's our job not to break the law, but as far as us talking about it, that is in our constitutional rights. People fought and died for that. Now, those of you that think it's not, it's not your fault. Those of you that think that you shouldn't talk about this stuff, it's outside of your right, it is not your fault, it's Brian's fault. And they're playing this pissy little game because people on YouTube are sucking away their ratings. And their producers tell them to do it. And they're convincing you, without any uh, factual basis of law, that you shouldn't be having these conversations when you're perfectly constitutional. It's right to do it. It is the court's ability. There's a process of getting jurors. And they, they have get jurors that don't know about this case. And there are some in rural Idaho. They can go as far out as they need for the jury pool. There's ways to do it, and it is baked in to the law and the court process. Don't worry. Us talking about it won't harm it, but they're trying to make you think it is. And if you guys think it does, it is not your fault. And I believe this is what um, was being talked about last night on Discord when we watched this Brian Enton video. And I believe this is what this comment is saying right here. Nothing more, nothing less. I would be very interested... And seeing a measure of a test, for instance, when do we know as a commenter that we have gone too far? When do we know that we have attained a potential jury pool? And what do your safeguards look like? Perhaps when we publish a YouTube video on social media, what would the content contain that would specifically risk the pristine fountain or pool with which we need to net a jury from? 
Indeed, which would compromise the case? What does celebration of leaked evidence or intel look like? This is a long one. Or should we measure excessive celebration kind of like in a football game? What does that look like? And what's the standard? These are the things that I need to know in order to understand the dilemma. We can virtue signal all day long and say it's not nice to speculate and it's safe to not participate. And of course, that's always an opinion. Not participating is always an, an option, but if we wanted to be extreme, then we just wouldn't participate in any of these podcasts at all. We wouldn't participate in speculating at all. So I guess I'm just unclear on what it looks like to celebrate to the extent that we are jeopardizing a jury pool in Idaho. Keep in mind, unlike other parts of the union, we have thousands of off-grid residents in the state of Idaho. And many of our residents don't even watch television or participate in Internet. But these same persons are part of our taxpayer base, thus jury pool. This does not even account for our rural living residents, small towns and rural communities, not like most others. It's the court's job to keep it safe. Now, there are things that fall under that, like you're not going to lie about evidence, but just talking, you know, even lying. Did you know that lying is covered under the Constitution? Although we're not. But speculation and theories, damn sure, is covered. It's their job to keep it, to, for it to have a, a fair trial. So we, we go on um, our constitutional rights, and they, they go under theirs. We're fine. And, uh, man, the reason why it really pisses me off is that they're making some of you guys think that it's best to just sit down and shut the hell up and be a good little slave. All right? That's what bothers me. And, no, that's not going to happen. As much as they want it to happen, no. It makes, it makes me wonder. I want to know what you think about this. I'm about to open up the phone lines. I really want to know what you think about it. And I know there's people on both sides, and I'm not mad at anybody. I do want to hear from you guys, though. This is how I feel about it. You know, you know I really believe in freedom of speech, and not just here in America, worldwide. And these little games are playing, making you guys think that you can't talk or shouldn't talk. is wrong. It's nothing but wrong. And again, these are opinions and these are conversations from Discord. I don't think anybody was getting in a fight or calling anybody out. Do emotions get heated sometimes? Yes, but not against each other on the issues. See, I'm going to see if there's anything else in here before I move to Papa Rogers and then D-R-U-G-S. All right. This is almost a non-story in my opinion. But I'll play it real quick. This was all around the internet today. And it almost gave me a big, well, well, who cares? Let 
But I'm bringing it up because I want to know, do you guys care? Tell me. So it says, Idaho murderer suspect spoke about students during extradition. It's really sad what happened to them. And, you know, that's kind of it. He seems really nervous, a police source who was involved in the process tells people. He was narrating to himself everything that was happening. At one point he was saying something to himself like, I'm fine, this is okay. Like he was reassuring himself that the whole thing just wasn't awful. Nothing Burger read as Miranda writes, was read as Miranda writes during his arrest and cannot be questioned about the case without an attorney present. He didn't speak directly to officers about the case, but the police source says that he did make an offhand comment about it. He did say, it's really sad what happened to them, but he didn't say anything more. He's smarter than that. So I'll put that link. Again, that's something that will be in the description below. I saw people talking about this today, and I'm not really sure why. But there you go. Oh, my goodness. So you guys that are calling in from Ireland are getting charged. Oh, my Lord. That's horrible. I was wondering about that. All right, so if you're from overseas and you'd like to call and leave a message, you can. You don't have to call. There's a link. There's a link in the description, uh, any of the description of our shows. There's a link. You can click on that, and it's a place to record and leave me a message. You don't have to call, so we can do it that way until I find out, like, maybe an international line where it doesn't charge you guys so much, unless you guys want me to use Skype. You guys know about Skype there in the in the UK. So let me go ahead here. Oh man, I'm sorry you guys are getting charged for that. All right, let me continue on here. This is a story about genetic uh, forensic genealogy, excuse me. You know, forensic genealogy has a starring role in media reports about the apprehension of Idaho, quadruple murder, nothing burger, big nose. Uh, the reported match of DNA evidence collected from a button snap on a knife sheaf left at the murder scene to sample taken from a suspect's father's trash in Pennsylvania, which demonstrates how far the field of forensic genetics can come from. This is very interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it talks about the history of it, how they're using it here. In the recent apprehension of Nothing Burger for allegedly murdering four University of Idaho students, investigators also used trash, this time taken from Nothing Burger's family home in Pennsylvania, to create a genetic link between DNA collected at the scene and the suspect. Uh, according to the affidavit applying for an arrest warrant, the DNA profile created from evidence on the K-bar knife sheath laying on a bed next to one of the victims linked the DNA found in the family's garbage can to Cole Berger's uh, nothing Burgers family with more than 99% accuracy. But he says he believes the genealogical approach in the garbage sleuthing was not necessary in the case. This is a good read. I'm going to leave it there. There's going to be a link in the description below after the show. That being said, I also want to play you or uh, show you this, read it to you really. 
I'm going to read you this email. I'm going to talk a little bit about Papa Rogers. Now, I went over all of our Papa Rogers evidence today, and it was long, and I will sum it up for you after I take a drink of my tea from my soothing midnight radio mug. And if I would have took a drink out of my left hand, it would have looked like this. Matter of fact, how about I show you how you could have your own midnight radio mug before I go into this story, period. Right here. This is a midnight radio shop. We haven't opened it yet. But you can buy a midnight radio ball cap, which we're not going to give away tonight, but perhaps soon. It's a midnight radio hat. The prices are good. We ship to the UK. Here's a midnight radio mug. It's black. It's glossy. You need it. You can choose to not drink coffee in it like me. I drink tea. Or you can even have some tea in it. And there's a midnight radio robe. How about that? You can lounge around your own midnight radio robe. Why not? What else do we got here? Oh, I know you guys will like this. Embroidered midnight radio patches. That's right. You can have one of Poison. You can have one of uh, Metallica. And you can have one for midnight radio on your jacket. Why not? And for some of you lushes out there, and I know there's some of you because you call me, we got the wine tumblers, midnight radio wine tumblers. How about that? Why not? We're going to put some other uh, products on here. Let me see. Uh, this isn't a full full list of everything we have. Like, we got an extra coffee cup. Let's see if I can find it down here. Uh, midnight radio shirt. Midnight radio shirt's coming up. That's a serious-looking individual right there. And midnight radio unisex hoodie pullovers. What do you guys think about that? This is what the front looks like. This is what the back looks like. If you guys are in our Discord, you can make recommendations of what we should have in our shop. This will be up probably in about a week. And, yeah, we even have another. We have one of the products designed by our resident minion, Jenna, but it's not on here right now. Can't show that to you, but it it is available. It'll be available soon. All right, back to my emails. So I, I was looking over all my Papa Rogers information, and this is what I came up with. I was going through the list of all the things this guy was talking about, and he was in a big time argument about the sheath. He started the comment thread about the sheath, and he kept going down down the thread. He was arguing with this one guy on there about there being a sheath. He said they know that it's a fixed blade knife because of the sheath. And the other gentleman said, um, you know, I don't think there's a sheath there. What kind of idiot has a take, would take the sheath with him? And then he said, they probably know because a fixed blade knife means it doesn't fold, means it has a hilt. And there was probably bruising on the body to know about the hilt. And, he, and uh, Papa Roger said, no, they don't clean up the bodies and do forensics at the, climb, at the crime scene. 
And then the other guy says, well, how do you know that? Maybe they wiped it away and looked at it. He says, that's not how it works. They wouldn't do that at a crime scene. I'm telling you, there was a, there was a sheath. And it goes on. And the guy says, why are you being so damn creepy? You're talking like a serial killer. And he was. All this is available in the Papa Rogers section of our Discord. If you guys are interested in checking that out, you have to be a member of second or third tier for the Discord there. But wow. Something else. Papa Rogers. Let's talk about it right now. This is an email I received regarding this subject. Is it really Papa Rogers? What's the actual connection? We had a conversation about it. I thought it was quite revealing, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Might be a little out on a limb on this one. Elliot Roger, the misogynist incel hero killer, killer in Isla Vista, California. Papa, the somewhat common alternate name for Grandpa. I've read that Elliot Rogers' father is a documentary film producer slash producer, but the Papa Rogers name made me wonder if his grandfather was noteworthy for some reason also. Ends up, his grandfather was an acclaimed photographer slash war correspondent that is said to have been traumatized by his experience in war, who thereafter concentrated on societies that existed in close relationship with nature. I thought Nothing Burger would probably detest being thought of as Elliot Roger, copycat slash prototypical insult, but maybe he'd be more at ease portraying himself as some sort of superior, esteemed part of the same tree. Sort of, I'm like Elliot Roger's daddy's daddy in his mind, the ultimate in a sense. The trauma of war jives a little with his depersonalization Detachment, language from those 2011 posts. So then I took a look at some images of George Roger and was struck by how much the Papa Rogers profile looked like a cross between Nothing Burger and George Roger. One of the problems with the comparison is that Papa Roger appears to be wearing a Soviet-era style military hat. Though the clothing is otherwise a close match, but then these killings did happen in Moscow, right? Could just be a nod to that. I'm not claiming to be totally sold on the name origin myself. But I believe Papa is very likely nothing burger. Name has to come from somewhere. What do you think? As always, feel free to use this at your discretion or not at all. He sent me pictures of this. I'm going to show you the pictures. And then I'm going to read you my response. And I want to know what you think about this. Because you guys are awesome. Okay, this is uh, George Roger, Papa Roger, literally. One picture of him, two pictures of him. Don't you find it funny these incel types are very promising, come from very promising families? What's up with that? Most of them have been medicated.
and a hat. Not the hat, but a hat. Whether someone's looking too far into this or not, the information is there. Yet the information remains. Let me go over my response with you. I think this information is very interesting, but I'm not sure if Nothing Burger went so in-depth into finding a pseudonym. Since I operate under the assumption my opinion is of little value, I can also argue that he might have learned about Grandpa Roger in a psychology course on a topic which focused on focused on the ravages of war. No doubt a, char- a character a professor brought up. Perhaps the professor is a military veteran himself. Conceivably, he thought violence lived could breed a peaceful mind. Nothing Burger longed to feel. He thought violence, its study, and then the act of committing it would make him feel humanity and bring him redemption. Little did he know, in fact, violence and murder is the epitome of emptiness. His act turned the eyes of a violent world directly at him, a world seething, frothing, and foaming with anger, righteous and unrighteous, all waiting behind bated breath for him to drop the proverbial soap. To sum it up, you might be right, and if you are, I'm confident a past professor would automatically know exactly where Papa Rogers comes from. If they saw the email you sent me about it. One thing I picked up from the psychological profile I ran on Nothing Burger is he has an almost complete lack of imagination. Everything he's done, his whole life is all based on what others have taught him. Thank you for the thought-provoking email. I also want to thank all of you guys for your thought-provoking emails. Our email address is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io 101 at gmail.com. Pretty soon we're going to be opening up the phone lines. And when we do that, the phone number is 325-261-0892. And if you have a comment or a question in between live shows, you can also call that number and leave us a voicemail message. I would love to hear from you. I almost want to go ahead and open the phone line again. But I'm going to wait a little bit more. When I open the phone line, I'm going to I'm going to give you guys plenty of time to call if you want to call. I'll uh, I'll stay here as late as I possibly can answering your phone calls. And I'm not saying I'll stay here forever. I'm saying I'll stay here as late as I possibly can. So in the, in closing, I was sent one more email, uh, closing comment about this. It says you're completely right about his lack of a. Ma- imagination or creativity and for whatever reason some flaw of my own probably the paradox between how he is often portrayed in the media and who he actually seems to be drives me nuts there is an emptiness inside his character which doesn't transfer really over all right let's talk about pharmaceutical products and mental health Last episode, we went over a young 17-year-old Brian Koberger's 
Tap Talk um, online forum that he was talking on about his various problems, his various issues. If you'd like to read that, it's available in the show notes. The description below our last video, it's been updated, and you can check that out. Uh, there, particularly, I summed it up in three, three pictures. Click on that, and you can read it. And this is what this email is referring to. Hi, I caught your show the other day and thought I'd share my experience when I was taking Xanax. After reading some of Young Nothing Burger's posts about his mental health, I think he could have been on it or something similar. I've been on a lot of different drugs, but Xanax was one of the worst. Don't get me wrong. I felt great when I was on it. My doctor prescribed Xanax as needed for panic attacks, but I started taking it all the time because I thought this might be the thing that could fix me. It got so bad I started losing time, becoming lethargic, and felt like I was in a haze. Eventually, I fell into a deep depression and just laid around getting high on Xanax. I totaled four cars. The last hit a streetcar, crushing the car and setting off all the airbags. Luckily, I got the help I needed. Still, I live with the guilt I put my parents through. On Tap Talk, Nothing Burger says he felt stuck in a void of nothing and unable to connect to people. And the part where he says, I have no self-worth, really stood out to me. Probably a lot of different drugs contributed to Nothing Burger's depersonalization. Still, I think he was trying to self-medicate to feel like a normal person. He was obviously struggling with an undiagnosed mental illness. It feels wrong to empathize with him, especially since we know what happens 10 years later. Still, I couldn't help but feel sad reading his posts. By the way, I'm definitely not trying to say anyone who abused drugs or has mental health conditions is going to turn out like him, thank God. This email and the messages we read from Nothing Burger yesterday struck me very personally. And that's why I, choose, I chose again to talk about it today. And I'm sure it struck some of you guys personally because you were young. Um, when you're young, often you feel like a misfit. And being young can be hard. When I read his words, it made me think about being his age and feeling, I don't know, one one hundredth of the emotions that he had. And it made me wonder, was he on, uh, was he being seen by a psychologist at the time? Was he on some kind of drugs? And I'm talking about prescribed um, drugs. That's all I'm talking about here today. Was he on that drug? It's been rumored that he'd been on heroin. And uh, we don't have a verification that other than the friend who said that she knew him. That's true. That is verified. She said he was on heroin. I don't know. But was he on these uh, medications? Uh, about six months ago, um, I had a mental breakdown. So I'm a, I'm a war vet, and I have PTSD. Um, but I, I don't have it very bad. When I first got back from the war, and I'm talking about uh, Iraqi freedom, when I first got back from the war, 
Fourth of Julys were horrible. Every time I heard something explode, it made me want to crawl out of my skin and, you know, jump down and go for cover. Uh, reach for a pistol at my side that wasn't there. So that was bad when I first got out. Um, other than that, I might have a PTSD episode every couple of years, but it's not very easy for me to have that kind of episode, but it did happen to me six months ago, and I'm not going to go into all the details here right now, maybe some other time. But at that time, I was on YouTube, and under the throes of full-blown PTSD, and I was at the point I was about to call a hotline, it was so bad, I got behind the camera right here, much like I'm doing today, except I'm, I don't have PTSD right now. And uh, I told people why, what happened, and how I felt about it. And uh, I thought it would make me feel better. I thought it would be something better than than calling a hotline. After I talked, I turned the camera off. You know, yeah, I didn't feel better. I didn't feel better at all. I didn't feel worse. But I got in a conversation uh, with some of the people in chat. And uh, we talked about it later. And some of them were asking me if I had any Xanax. And I, I don't because I'm not seen for PTSD because my PT, PTSD episodes are so rare. Maybe like once every two years, actually. So uh, I didn't have any medication for it. But there were some people that had taken Xanax before. And they told me, they said, Jerry, don't take it. Don't take it. Once you take it, you're stuck on it. Uh, it's hard to get off, and they told me some of the symptoms that this person uh, sent in their email, and some that Cole, Cole Nothingburger was um, talking about, the depersonalization, um, the withdrawals from it, how you're on it and you're on it, and you have to keep on taking it. And so I just worked it out myself with uh, talking to my family and exercise. And I feel fantastic. But they were telling me the horror stories of being on Xanax, and I was floored. I want to be floored again tonight. I want you guys, some of you have taken some of this medication. I want you to unload that experience on me when I open the phones. And I'll tell you why. We were talking about Brian Enton in the beginning. Their, their show, their media, their network is paid for by these pharmaceutical companies. We were watching it last night on Discord together, and there was three or four commercials about drugs before we ever got to a little bitty segment. So they're never going to talk about this. I am What I'm not saying is that what he wrote was because he was on drugs. I'm not saying that because I don't know. But I'm talking about those feelings and those emotions. If he, being a child at this young age, I'm sorry, I think 17 is still a child, was on some of this medication for whatever reason, do you think this would have stunted the development of his mind? So he wasn't able to deal with these emotions. Let me tell you something. I didn't take Xanax. I didn't take anything for my PTSD. I'm not bragging about that. I'm letting you know. I didn't take anything for my PTSD. What I did was I found out how to deal with it myself. I found out what exactly it was that set me off, that made it so bad for me. And I was able to talk with my wife, talk to my family about it, and say, hey, you know, 
if I tell you this, we need to back off with whatever it is because, you know, I don't want to have to go through something like that again. Just leave me alone for a little bit. We learned what happened. I learned how to work around it because you can't not have PTSD. It, it is there to some degree. But you can learn how to work with it, work through it, work around it. But that is from experience. That is from experiencing these feelings. So I was able to do that and increase my exercise, and that helped me tremendously. But if you were taking those drugs at that young age, how would that have affected your ability to feel? How would that have affected your ability to have empathy? How would that have affected your ability to live life? One key to living life is your relationship with others. It's not, it's one of the most important things. So for that to affect your empathy, your ability to have relationships with others, your ability to adapt, to realize, hey, there's something wrong here. Everybody's reacting to me this way. I'm an asshole. Maybe, how, how can I not be like that? Why am I like that? What do I do that's like that? These are how you learn and adapt. Do these drugs affect that? I want to know, some of you guys are experts out of there, out there, not me. We're just having this conversation. I'm going to open the phone lines. Right now, I want to have this conversation with you. I want to have the conversation about Xanax and other psychological drugs for depression and how they really affect you as opposed to what they do. They're not going to have this on the mainstream media because this is where they make money from. There is, I guarantee you there's no way on this case on the mainstream they're going to talk about this, but I want to know. I think some of you do too. If you're with me, call in. Guys, I never came on here saying I'm an expert about anything, and I came on here saying that you guys are. This is about a conversation with you. The phone line is now open. I'm ready to have that conversation. I would like to say that the phone line is brought to us by the Light Phone 2, the company that has a phone. It's called a, some people call it a dumb phone. It's not dumb. It's a focus phone. It helps you be able to focus on your life, focus on people instead of playing around on your phone. That's Light Phone 2. If you want to learn more about the Light Phone 2 in our video section, I did a review on it. Light Phone 2, waiting for your phone calls. And while we're waiting, let's see if I have anything left. Let me find my, let me find the chat room. Where'd you get, where'd I put you guys? Three, two, five, two, six, one is zero, eight, nine, two. Yeah. I'm not trying to shame anybody who's taking this medication at all. That was not my intention of even talking about this. There's no shame in it. This is the way the system is. I just want to know the effects. All right. So recently, while I'm waiting for your phone calls, there's no such thing as a normal person. Someone's saying normal people have problems too. I don't think there's any such thing as a normal person. All right, who's on the phone line? Keep calling me while I get this. 
Midnight caller line. Hey, Jerry. Hold on, let me fix this here. Yeah, you froze on me too. I hear you, but I gotta fix. Here we go. Here we go. Sure. Oh, okay. I'm ready. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is a true crime fleet. You can call me Ruth. Ruth, where are you calling from? San Antonio. All right. What do, what do you got for us tonight? Texas. <laughs> I'm sorry? What do you have for us tonight? Well, um, first of all, thank you for your service, and I really, really appreciate you sharing that story. I'm not trying to like, one-up anybody, but I think this no-burger just has the answers to everything or excuses for everything. And I, don't, I can't believe that some people actually feel sorry for the guy. Um, I don't want to say anything wrong, but this, there's, there's no reason. Technicality is, I don't think he should be able, I don't think that should even be an excuse. I think the fact that he has answers for everything, because he thinks he's so smart, what answers it's going to make us wonder. Let me stop you right there. Uh, inform me. What answers is he? Right. What answers is he given yet? Oh no, no, just like every question that they asked on on Papa Rogers, right? If that is him. Oh yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, every every question he had, he had a he had an answer for stuff like that, and he just seems like a really cocky guy, as what other friends say. Um. So just by that, I think they're making most people, a lot of people wonder if he is going to get off on a technicality, but I don't think he will. I think or just the system is going to. Do you think it matters right. if he gets off on a technicality? Does it matter? That's, you, a, what that's a shocking question, that? isn't it? Do you think it matters? Yeah, if, it is. I think he's going to get wow. the death penalty. If he gets off, he I still has too, that yes. death penalty. This isn't like it was before, and yeah. I don't mean the crimes he did. I mean the public fervor. Somebody's going to get him, I think. And I'm not an advocate yes, sir, of that. That's exactly. No, no, same here. Exactly. Exactly what I was thinking when I heard, what is he, you know, something about a technicality. Man, you let that guy off, he ain't going to get very far. He's not, no. I don't know if he's ever thought about that. I know he, he, he doesn't have the ability to think about something like that because he doesn't have empathy, so he doesn't realize the outrage that's going on. He might think some people are a little bit upset, but everybody's upset from uh, Australia to, uh, you know, uh, Mexico to, to Ireland. Everybody right. over the entire world, even Scotland. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't see it coming. And these online sleuths, you don't want to mess with them. His information is out, going to be out there. Yes, Which sir. is also I don't agree with. But I, I just, uh, I think it's going to happen, that's all. Yeah, but, something about Brian Nixon today and what he was saying on, 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 online was, uh, I wasn't online much today because I think I was getting upset about <laughs> him throwing those comments out there about the... Uh, mainstream media but he is mainstream media i agree with you 100 yeah he's like the lower what tier of mainstream media for sure i think newsmax yes, is probably yeah. the lower tier not that there really is an upper tier anymore right right 
everything's changed so much, and then everybody's afraid of saying something wrong, and yeah, you can't say a lot of things anymore. What happened to people? We used to be thick-skinned. Now everybody's just, I don't know. Not everybody. Not everybody. No, no, no. Um, you know, letting my emotions get the best of my words, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. There's a lot of people that are afraid to talk. They're afraid to speculate. And that's, that shouldn't be the case, guys. I come up here and I talk, and every time I do, there's a team, and this is true, there's a team at YouTube that goes through every one of my videos, and if they have an issue with it, they pull it, and they haven't pulled anything yet. But um, Hopefully, hopefully I won't be the cause of that, Jerry, but no, I love your show. I love your idea. I like your catch, too, everything. I appreciate it. Looking forward to, yeah, looking forward to checking out your store. Oh yeah. So the store should be up in, I don't know, maybe a week or two. I got to get, uh, we got the products. We got the, we got it programmed on the website. We just have to do the, the money on the back end of it. So. Got it. Got it. Get the accounts organized. Well, I love your show. Like Thank you very much. You have right, a good night. Right. I appreciate you're working. It. You're always working. Yeah. You're I, always working, Jerry. You're a hardworking man. I love it though. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you for your service again. Thank you. You have a good night. Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Jerry. This is your boy Randell from uh, from the area. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, I, I want to. It's going great, man. Um, you know, uh, I got more to tell you, but this is but on topic uh, about the um, uh, about the psychotropic uh, drugs. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, that um, was almost devastating to my whole life uh, regarding that. Okay, and, before uh, we start, can, was, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I think you know the answer to this. Now, am I using the term correctly when I say psychotropic drugs? Uh, what I mean is the drugs that they would prescribe you, like uh, Zoloft and uh, and uh, other mental... I was on Prozac. Pro, or Prozac. Yeah, I was on Prozac. Are those psychotropic yep. drugs, or does that refer to something like acid? Uh, well, I, I I think of the term psychotropic being, um, you know, uh, one that I've heard being used when uh, I get my prescriptions for, you know, when I've been prescribed those type of, uh, um, you know, drugs for depression or okay. for um, hearing voices and stuff like that. Good, you good. know, so I'm using um, it correctly. I think so. I yeah, to clear I, that believe, up. I believe. Yeah, psychotropic. Uh, I think is what the uh, is what the, those type of um, drugs that are right. prescribed by a, a psychiatrist. Well, thank you for clearing that up. I want to make sure I was using the term correctly. I'm sorry I interrupted you. All right. Oh, that's okay, man. Um, so, so uh, my experience was I was going through uh, a bad breakup, and you know, I, but uh, nothing that I wouldn't have been able to handle. If if uh, if I never took the Prozac because the Prozac built up in my system all the time, and um, and what what happened was um, that um, during during the buildup of the of the drug being in my system, I, I just had I was finishing up my um, schooling at uh, the San Francisco Art Institute, and um, and I was going through I was having a hard time dealing with stuff so. Um, uh, I ended up going to a psych ward and, um, and then they, uh, the doctor gave me Prozac. It built up in my system. And then after that, 
um, it, I just felt more and more out of my body and, and, um, and I was starting to, um, have a, a, a worst experience that I've ever could imagine. And I took, a, um, I, I ended up taking a, a bus out to uh, Southern California to where, um, uh, I ended up, uh, having, uh, uh, an interaction with, uh, with this person who I was having a relationship with and, um, and, and I lost it and, um, and ended up almost, you know, really hurting this person, uh, uh, to the point of like no return. And so, um, so, you know, I, I ended up cutting my wrists and, um, and, picked up by an ambulance uh and um and then i went to um a psych facility out there in um, southern california and stayed there for like a, a month and um um you know uh no no charges were pressed but um uh you know but that was that was just a horrible experience and um and i had to do a lot of soul searching after that and but i know that <laughs> there's no way to like get off of those drugs when they build up in your system. Can I ask I mean, you something? I'm telling, I remember you and yeah. I had a conversation before and you were telling me about your anger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you said you, and you I, had and, that and, anger before. So my question is this, do you remember your feelings at the time of that incident you just told me about? Uh, did you feel a strong, intense depersonalization or did you feel anger or was it a mix of both? Well, I think it was like it, it what happens was a um an instance of a feeling of like disrespect and and like how you know like how dare you insult okay. me like that you know like you know because uh and then it was like uh because i was being cast out or rejected and, and hurt you know and um and okay. and that was that was uh one of the incident that was the incident i was referring to was that but this but it was so amplified in me at that time that um you know i mean we later became, you know, um, talked, uh, me and, me and this girl and, and, uh, and, um, you know, uh, and I apologized and, and my, my apology was to like, you know, not to try to get back together, but to just let, you know, let her know that, that I was working on myself to, so that would never happen again, you know, and, and I, and the work continues, you know, because, uh, the, my relationship now that I'm in is, is, and, uh, you know, I, it's, um, you know, I don't even get, get to a point like that at all, you know, but it, but it took that experience of, but it was the, I know for sure that the Prozac had put me in that state of mind to, um, to go berserk, you know, and, and here's the thing is that these, these companies and these uh, pharmaceutical companies, they make trillions of dollars. Literally trillions. Yeah. And, and I've tried. You know, I still go to a psych, uh, my psychiatry appointments, you know, once a month or once every three months, rather, um, you know, by phone now. But I used to go in and, and speak to the psychiatrist and everything and uh, or psychologist. And um, and uh, they tried to prescribe me different things like Halidol and, and other stuff, man. But every time I've taken that type of psychotropic uh, um, mood elevating or 
drug, man, I swear to God, I feel like I'm outside of my body and, and I can't wait for it to just wear off. And so, you know, if they, you know, they've tried different prescriptions, I don't even take them anymore, you know, because, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> um, I have experience um, taking street, lots of street drugs and stuff like that, you know, and I'm telling you, and I feel, I felt so much better uh, doing some, some illicit drugs that were made in a, uh, in a bathtub better than, than any experience I've ever had taking, uh, taking the type of drugs that they give patients. I mean, I don't even know how you would begin to take uh, um, those kind of drugs and and not know what the what they feel like uh, prescribe you know as a person who prescribes them. So do you still have you know, the anger and the depersonalization? And I don't even take that stuff anymore. So you, you don't, I don't take any of it. You don't feel that anymore in the anger. No, no, I've worked through that. You know, okay. I mean, I I know that I was narcissistic at the time. Um, you know, I thought things revolved around me. Um, you know, I, I, I really, um, uh, it was a fantasy that I had built up of like what the future would be like, you know, with this person and stuff. And all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt in my crashing down. And when it crashed down at that moment is when I lost it. But it was at a moment where, you know, uh, that's a good point uh, too. I, you were a young you man know, at the time, right? I was, I was 27. Yeah. So you were young at, at the, you know, there's something about that age when you, you have high That's, expectations yeah. and I think, uh, nothing burger at the time when he was 17, he was talking about all these expectations and life didn't meet his expectations. But when you get to my age, you don't have many expectations anymore. You have things you shoot for and you oh, go yeah. for, but if it doesn't yeah, happen, that's right. if it doesn't happen, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's something like, uh, you know, um, after, you know, I did a lot of soul searching because I really, man, my heart was broken and I hurt, you know, and, and I, and I almost hurt, I almost killed somebody, you know? And so it was um, something that I, it was so horrific that like, you know, I just, um, I needed to do something. So I went, you know, I did my own research and looked into, you know, the different types of, of reasons why, and what would, you know, cause me to, um, to be like that, you know? And I think it goes back to when I was a kid and my father was beating my mom, you know, mm -hmm. and that had a big effect on, on, on my life. You know I mean? I, I had a lot of anger and, and, uh, resentment. Um, I felt that uh, I had abandonment issues, had to leave, you know, and I understood that she had to leave, but, but that was, that was um, something that was pivotal in, in my life, you know, that, that she had left, you know? And so, um, you know, but I had a lot of stuff to work through to get to a point where, um, you know, where it's like, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I used to let these Mormon kids come to my house and, 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 and share their, uh, you know, their um, insight into, or, you know, they were trying to get me to, and go to their church and everything, you know? And so I would let them in, I would feed them. And, and those kids, you know, I said, man, they were all like, these, you know, uh, young, good looking dudes. And I'm like, you guys have girlfriends or anything, <laughs> you know? And they were, they were like, yeah, yeah. But you know, break up and you know, whatever. And, you know, uh, and stuff like that, you know? And I'm like, you know, you don't ever get, um, you don't ever feel like, uh, rejected or hurt or anything like that. Oh no, no, not at all. 
I, I guess because, you know, you go to the, all these doors and you get rejected and it's like, you know, you just move on to the next one. <laughs> uh, there's, there's been, I, I've studied crime for a while now, I guess. And at the base yeah. of all of it, you see a lack of love and you see di- people feeling like they've been disrespected. They're thinking more of themselves than they should, you know? Right. Exactly. And, and that's how, that's how I was, you know, and I'm worrying. These kids, if, these kids, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm worried um, that if when you're taking these drugs, you don't have the ability to work these emotions out is what I'm saying. They, cause they numb you and you can't feel the pain and you can't wake up one day and realize, man, I'm an asshole. I need to change. Yeah, right. I mean, I think, I think the, the only benefit from, 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 from the, the drugs is realizing that they're horrible. <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, I'm saying, you know, they, that they, um, really put catapulted my, uh, all those, um, you know, the, the worst parts about myself at that time, they, they amplified it to a point of like, of almost no return, you know? And so, um, you know, so that was, that was the, um, that was the thing that, uh, sorry, my cat's fighting. (laughs) Come on, come on, come on. That's okay. <laughs> he, he likes to fight, but he gets his butt kicked all the time. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it amplified all of the worst parts about myself, and uh, and the only uh, good thing about it is that you know I realized that those that they make so much money off of making people numb and not being able to um, to um, use your use your own brain to uh to to work through this stuff you know they play I mean, they I pay a lot people. of money to the mainstream media for these ads matter of fact if you look at it they're the only ones that are paying for this news that people are watching and also you you see the campaigns oh, yeah. the campaigns and the different things for our government our our elected officials in washington they're getting paid for by these companies and all of us want to talk right. there's a lot of people that experiences like you and they want to talk about it but they feel like they can't yeah, yeah, right. Well, you know, I mean, that that's the thing is like, you know, the, the advertising and all that stuff, you know, I mean, uh, the lot the lobbyists uh, that, um, you know, um, get the money and stuff like that, you know, they, um, they are um, just like the sugar industry, the, um, the milk industry and, uh, and, and, and other stuff that, you know, like, you know, the sugar is the worst part. I mean, I'm diabetic, you know, everything in the store is just like, is, is horrible. Even, even if it says zero uh, sugar and all that stuff, man, I'm t- it's like, it just, uh, it's it still, it, you know, um, it, 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 it's devastating to, to a body, you know, to, to people. You know I mean? We have, uh, and there's no, and there's, and then, you know, they, they, um, it's promoted. It's, um, it, it's like, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I got a question for you. I, I'm going to let you go and go to the yeah. next call, but I got a question for okay. you. Do you wear hats? Yeah, I do wear hats. When I talk to you, it seems to me like, do you have a mustache? No, no, I'm clean shaven now. Okay. Just, just well, a goatee and a beard. Yeah. I, I imagine you have a goatee and a beard and a hat on. I'll tell you what, I normally don't do this to phone calls, but I'll send you a midnight radio hat. Oh man, you rock, man. Yeah, I think you'd like one. Do you have our email address? I dude, I just sent you an email about I just because we were just I was just in a big huge flood over here since New Year's. Oh, that was and you. I just got back. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah. So uh 
I'll get with you on email and get information to send you one of these hats. For sure, man. And I, um, I'll send you a link to my artwork and some other stuff too. Okay. All right, I appreciate it. You have a good night. Yeah, I think I think I think the world of you, bro. And I, I love what you're doing, and your show is just amazing. And I'm so glad that I hope that it grows and grows, and and um, and the DJ thing and all that stuff, man, is awesome. Uh, I'll send you some songs too, like my some of my favorite songs that you know that I like. So all I'll right. send I, I'll send you all that. I appreciate Jerry. that. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, happy New Year, bro. You too. All right, later. Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Oh, you just missed me. All right, guys, I'm ready to take another phone call, and then I'm going to make one myself. Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Hey, hi. It's Mariana. How are you? Hi, Mariana. I'm good. And you? I am great. Um, I'm the um, first time calling. Um, I was watching your show. Where, where are you and, calling uh, from? I, I, I'm calling from Pennsylvania, from Lancaster okay. County. All right. Amish County. Um. So I saw you're talking about the Idaho murders and stuff, and uh, yes. um, I was just thinking to call and uh, um, tell you what I think about this. All right. Thing. Well, let's talk about it. But before we start, could you mute your TV behind you? Okay. If you could. Yep. yep. I did. All right. So what would you like to talk about regarding the Idaho 4? Well, I don't know. Um, I was going through this uh, um, affidavit of probable cause, cause and um, I was thinking about how the whole thing um, happened and um, how the bodies were found. And uh, what a great job did the police do? What do you think about that? What do I think about the job the police did? Yeah. Well... My main, um, I don't think that they did a bad job in hindsight as of yet from what I know, but there's so much I don't know. You know, we don't know all the evidence that they've collected. We don't know if there was any evidence that was tainted. Uh, We're not going to know that until it's brought up in court. But um, the only thing I didn't like about what the Moscow police was putting out was some of the uh, mixed messaging that they were putting out about some of the information. I feel like some of it they they misdirected, and I didn't like that. I agree with you. That was it. And, of course, Um, we were all frustrated, but so were they. Yeah, and also the the families, the victims' families were frustrated, too, at a point that uh, uh, Kaylee's dad was uh, very vocal about it, and I think he was pulled aside by the police, and he was told, like, dude, we have a suspect just, keep it quiet, you know, and that's when he changed his uh, demeanor, and that's what I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, but I was reading through, through this affidavit, and it's, it's like all over the place. Did you read it? Yeah, we actually, we did a show on it where I read the affidavit. I think the affidavit is on the show title somewhere. You might want to check that out. We went, on, we went over that. I think okay. you'd like that show, too. Yeah, as I said, this is, yeah, this is my first time calling and, and seeing you. I, I don't think I saw you before. I mean, I didn't see your um, your 
um, channel before, so I'm definitely going to check it out. So, well, thank you for uh, watching. Yes, um, yeah, you're doing a great job, and uh, I like your voice. It's oh. uh, it's very uh, captivating. So, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I, yeah, I heard you talking to the previous um, uh, caller about the uh, psychotropic drugs. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't take any, but I'm in the medical field, and as far as I know, those are the drugs that affect uh, behavior. Yes. So people who who have behavioral issues, that's who you know, it it affects the mood. So people who take those drugs tend to be more um, um, happy, and uh, they get rid of the depression and anxiety, and uh, that's all the stuff. I was writing about and, it uh, earlier. I was writing about it earlier, and I used uh, the effect of Brian or Nothing Burger on psychotropic drugs when he was young. And I thought, wait a second, what all does that term psychotropic entail? And I wanted to make sure I used it right. But you guys are setting me straight. Yeah. I appreciate it. I had it right, but I just didn't want to be wrong when writing that. You call him? Uh, how did oh, you call him? We call him no. noth Nothing Burger. You know, you know what I think. I think he had a uh, some kind of uh, of a yeah, nickname in high school because you know he became a vegan. So maybe he was called Big Mac or Cheeseburger or something like that, and that's why he just became vegan and that's why he lost all that weight. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I actually heard about him being bullied really bad in in high school and even bullied by females. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah, I I did too, but I wasn't sure like who maybe he was called a name or something, especially because he has the last name. Yeah, jumbo you know? drawers or something. So, I don't know, but I, I, I don't mean, like, I don't I, think that the honest? go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I honestly like looking at him. I don't think he's like that bad looking. You know what I mean? Like as I, I mean, I'm I'm 35, mm -hmm. and I look at him. And I don't think he's that bad looking. I mean, I think there's worse looking men out there, but probably because of his personality and because he's such a narcissist, it just turns women off. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's something lo lost in his eyes, and he didn't even have the ability to talk to women, which is different from other crimes like the things that Ted Bundy did. He had he had the ability to to talk to women. Oh my gosh. Women. But I don't think these two yeah, cases Ted Bundy are like was at all. very, very charming. Yeah. I, I think he was charming and I think he was such a psychopath mm -hmm. to the point that women were women were just charmed by him. Well, and I also think that maybe he um uh, Brian, he probably took the knife with him to Pennsylvania here. I actually live uh, an hour and twenty minutes from uh, from his parents. Um I think he took it here and I think that's why he didn't fly. I think that's why he he was driving because he took the knife with him and he buried it somewhere here and his maybe even parents. Well, that might actually here. that might be a good. You, I think you're onto something. So he could have put that in the middle of nowhere. But I do know that they were tracking him for a while. But the reason why I bring up Ted Bundy and Nothing Burger together is because um, I don't think that that Nothing Burger is a narcissist like Bundy was at all. And it also bothers me that the name of Ted Bundy. Is such a big deal when when he was just a horrible person and he wasn't that intelligent. He got away with the crimes not because he was intelligent, but because other people weren't sophisticated. 
That's the only reason he got away with it. And that's why I call uh, Brian Kohlberger nothing burgers because I don't want him to be glorified. I want him to be de-glorified for his actions. Well, I think Ted Bundy should be de-glorified too. You yeah. know, especially even his co-workers, uh, you know, when, when he was, when he committed all those crimes and even when he took that girl from the beach, uh, you know, the, well, I think she was 16 or whatever. And uh, the co-workers were like, okay, uh, you know, he was driving a, a, a Volkswagen and, you know, are you that Ted? You know, and he, they were making fun of it because they say, there's no way that's our Ted. And even one of the co-workers, he got so worried where it was a woman, I don't remember, but they called the FBI and they said, are you sure it was like, was it like a golden uh, beagle or it was a, like a, a Volkswagen or it was a threat? And they said, no, it was a golden. And, and even the person was like, oh my gosh, thank God, because I thought, you know, because that Ted was driving a 10, uh, like a golden color, a 10 color, not a golden one. So like he, like he confused everybody. You know what I mean? And even when he had the first trial and you know, he was representing himself and he escaped, right? <laughs> For yes. like seven days. Oh, he did. He escaped twice. And then, but I really he, don't want to talk. Twice, yes. Yeah. I really don't want to talk about Bundy okay. too much tonight, if you don't mind. But, but that being no, said. No, 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 I don't mind. That being I'm said, we do, we do have I a, know a lot of Bob. Oh, yeah. Well, good. We have a show coming up where we're going to talk about Bundy and the Golden State Killer. So. You might want to check that out. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, No Burger is trying to copy all of them. I don't know, even the BTK, because uh, his his professor here, you know, in, in this at uh, the university where he studied in Pennsylvania, she was in very close, um, um, you know, relationship with uh, with BTK, and uh, I, I think he looked up to all those people. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I have no, it's, it's such a very interesting case. I'm very confused. Um, I have a law degree in Europe, came here, I did the medical uh, stuff. So, uh, and I did a, I did civil law. I have a degree in civil law, but this whole thing is so bizarre. It's like crazy. It's you know? bizarre from every angle. So we'll see. I appreciate your exactly. calling and I appreciate your watching. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good night. Well, you too. Bye-bye. Midnight caller line, midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Jerry. This is Clark. Or hey, hey, Clark. Clark. In the comments. Yeah, Clark. Kent. How are you? Hey. Where are you calling from? Smallville. Uh, Minnesota. Okay. Smallville, <laughs> Minnesota. What's on your mind? Um, well, I was kind of just well curious, just kind of thinking about. Um, I think it was on one of your previous shows where uh, I think. Um, Burger Boy had a post, I guess, 10 years ago or so. Oh, yes. Um, I think he posted online about how he felt and kind of his you know, insight into how he kind of thought. I just thought it was kind of interesting that, um, you know, he seemed to be pretty self-aware for being, you know, I guess at least as crazy as he looks right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like he gave in to or kind of went with the darker feelings, but... Um, yeah, I don't know, as far as like, a, you know, insanity defense or something like that. I think Idaho doesn't have that, thankfully, but they don't. I, don't know, I just kind of thought it was kind of interesting that he's he's pretty self-aware and did a pretty good job, especially being that young, 
uh, kind of, you know, put all those thoughts on paper, pretty detailed. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. But he did, and um, I, I wonder if his his father read some of that, if he would knew if that was actually him. You know what I mean? Because he talked about how mm-hmm. he was mean to his father, and he talked about the holidays and different things like that that would earmark that you know it was him. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if, definitely. If I, I don't think that those tap talk messages would need to come out in trial unless the defense was trying to claim they could still talk about insanity just to maybe not get him the death penalty. Not that there's an insanity yeah. defense, but yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I just thought it was pretty interesting that he had that kind of insight, and yet, you know, instead of trying to like seek out help, um, at least maybe he did seek out help, maybe he didn't. But you know, if you think you're, you know aware of what your issues are to that extent you'd you know maybe look for help but um it seems like you went the complete complete opposite route and just took a you know dove head first into the you know the criminal well, kind of aspect of it and that's what i'm wondering about. and all that stuff that's so. what i'm wondering about we got reports from somebody that we did verify was his friend and did know him back in high school and she said that he was on uh you know illicit drugs at the time but he got off of it then and I wonder if he went through some mm-hmm. kind of rehab and maybe he did uh, have psychiatric help and he was on these, you know, SSRI blockers and things, um, mm-hmm. these psychotropic drugs, um, and that was making him feel this, making it worse and and, yeah. and sticking his brain at that age when he was 17 for the rest of his life. Yeah, it could be. Um, when I was in, I don't know, middle school or so, I'd, was told, at least my parents were told that, you know, oh, he has ADD or ADHD. And for a short time, you know, here, take these pills. And yeah, it just kind of made you feel like a zombie, basically, is yeah. the best way I could describe it. But um, that was pretty much my experience with it in that short window of time. But um, yeah, I just thought, like I said, it was pretty interesting that he's he's got the mental capacity to, and I think he knows right from wrong. Um, and I think that's kind of basic, you know, especially to make it 28 years through life, you got to have some kind of grasp on reality you know yeah um, there's a lot of people yeah. who are on the line about what right and wrong is but when you say well is it right to do this to somebody else you know and it's no but what if i did this to you would it be okay well no mm-hmm. exactly i appreciate your call yeah. tonight it's good to finally yeah, hear you i see yeah. you in chat a lot <laughs> yeah on occasion i'm in there so yeah all right well yeah thank you appreciate it you have a good evening you do. All right. Now I have a phone call that I'm, I'm going to make to somebody and we're going to discuss a wild ass, a smoking wild ass, flaming wild ass theory. Uh, let me grab that phone number. I don't know if this person wants to remain anonymous or not. So we'll let her introduce herself. And I'll open up the phone lines back again after I call her. You guys are... All right. I know you guys are calling and I want to talk to you too, but I got this other thing I've got to do. All right. You guys can go ahead and leave. You guys can go ahead and leave me 
There, now it shut down. You guys can go ahead and leave me your um, voicemail messages if you have something to say about the topic we're discussing tonight. You have up to three minutes. I have a lady I'm going to bring on who's an expert of her own wild-ass theory, and I thought it was interesting enough to share with you guys, so we're going to call her talk about it right now. Or maybe I'm calling somebody else. Hello. Hello. This is Jerry. Hi, Jerry. You ready to tell us about your theory? Oh, wow. (laughs) You saw my last email. I'm not a big call-in person. That's all right. Yeah, I do have Xanax. I will tell you that. Uh, You've been talking about the Xanax. Yes. And um, But that came after my fourth child when I was... Was that in the 30s? Uh-huh. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Okay. I just couldn't hear you. Maybe I need to turn my volume up on my phone a little bit. Um, but anyway, I went through a lot of, uh, not depression, but more anxiety type thing. But uh, you have to just let take yourself off of that slowly or your body reacts. I didn't have a problem taking it. So that was just my experience with Xanax. Okay. Now, into my wild ass theory. <laughs> All right. Do you want to tell everybody your name and what state you're calling from? Or? Sure. Okay. Yeah, my name is Cindy. Well, it's Cynthia, but I go by Cindy. I am 68. I am a retired corrections officer. I live in rural Georgia. And throughout this entire thing, which I've just watched from day one, I just have been led to a different direction. All right. You still there? Okay. okay. So yeah, I'm here. I'm trying to pull up. I'm trying to pull up the emails. I got them right here. Okay. Yeah. That, that would be great because oh. I tried to just send you everything that I have been looking at so that you would, um, I'll try to play these in the background, not the audio, just the video and yeah. things going as you're uh, talking. Right. But just to give the viewers a, a little background of what made me start looking at this was actually the the Banfield stop. Okay, I'll start Banfield. Um, that and and so then I started going back to some previous videos and how things kind of started making sense to me. Okay. But if you look at um. Um, at this Banfield, let me get to that part of my little notes. I tried to have everything together since we did make this a short notice. Chicken burritos too. Because I started thinking, who would think anything about seeing a cop or officers go into that house? They were there all the time. Uh-huh. And so that kind of clicked in my brain. I know some of this conversation, and, um, some of this conversation we were having on the email was before they uh, arrested Cole Berger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, those are kind of when I went back because I started noticing in that Banfield um, stop right there. Remember that um, the guys told him they didn't stop because they didn't know who he was. Right. And so they explained they downgraded them from patrol cars to hybrid cars. Well, First of all, in this video, it shows the partner's face, but this person's face, he's always speaking, and he's, he's, he's very condescending. 
and his face is never shown in any of these videos. It's, I swear it's the same voice, but his face is never shown. But um, okay. he is in dark clothes. He has on khaki pants. He has the black fuzzy gloves on. And, I mean, I'm like, you know, anybody can dress up. Go, you can go to a costume store. Okay, I was in law enforcement. I've seen people with the fake badges. It's no big deal to me. What caught my eye in that one was um, when they when they opened the door to the car they walked over to that was supposedly their hybrid car, there's no radio in the car. There's no police equipment in a car. Being in that field, even undercover cars, unmarked cars, still have at least a radio, if not a small laptop, to run tags, etc. Then he also had mentioned previously, um, way back about interested in the campus, being a campus security police. So then, I, you know, my mind starts clicking and I start really looking and I start noticing the hands. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to every video on all of these calls, these noise calls, et cetera, and did matchups of the shape of the hands and um, the way that they're curved when he's writing with a pen. And then there's even one shot, um, and I don't even know where that picture came from, but there's a picture of him standing up signing something, and his hand is it, it's shaped the same way as he's writing. And I also included that one uh, blown-up picture of, of the stop, one of the stops on their way home with his dad that shows his hands. He has what uh, Prince Charles has, they call sausage fingers to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the same thing that, that looks like Prince Charles' hands. Okay. They look so you are talking about the Banfield video. I'm playing that right now, and I'm going yeah. to put the – I'm going to show the – photos that you sent me to right now yeah okay go ahead and grab those because those are really good all right go ahead and continue please okay so uh well first you know like i said inside of the cop car the interior the other officer is sitting over there and he's writing up supposedly writing up one of the guys but if you look in this interior, this looks just like the interior of a normal car. Look, I mean, the interior, even though they're different models, look at the interior of Brian's car when they stopped him. It's a newer vehicle. There is no police equipment in this car. There are no radios. There's nothing. You got, you know, a drink and something else and maybe a huge bottle of water, canister, something in the floorboard. But there's no there's no police equipment in there. There there's no. nothing. They're also in plain clothes. So, you know, that, that caught my eye. Also, anytime in work and when I was active in law enforcement, anytime you use the shoulder radio, you're gonna hear this little BB like type thing when you click your radio. Okay, well when he supposedly is calling in uh, to check this guy's license, you know, you'll hear him give a number real quick, but you, when he clicks that radio, you don't hear the beep beep thing. And throughout the whole thing, you never hear a callback from dispatch. Um, 
in our jail, we'd get a call back, uh, the radio beeps. I mean, you know, this was dispatch. Um, there's a long portion he just totally muted. Then, you know, <clears throat> so then, you know, we had, that's when I kind of do com- comparisons of the hands. And I sent you those pictures. Yep, I'm playing those right so now. We got, yeah, so we've got, um, like, when he's holding the clipboard, you see the shape of, well, that's his left hand. He had his thumb up on the top of the um, clipboard. But then from the scene um, at the house, the noise call, when they're opening the beer, if you'll look, very, very similar shape in the hand and the thumbnail. Um, and let's see. It looks like he. Call, it looks like he has Maddie Mogan's name on his phone. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yes. This. This. That call. Actually. Yeah. These are the phone calls. This is the call they were on at the house for the noise call. Um. And the, remember, the two boys come to the door. One looked like Hunter. Yes. And they kept demanding to talk to a resident. And so he goes back in, he comes out, and he had dialed Maddie's, and he hands it to the, to him. And I, I, I'm just saying, my gut feeling is telling me this this is Brian. Brian is pretending to be a campus security. And whoever his little buddy is, something, but, something's but, but if Brian, in this water. If, if nothing burger was pretending to be campus security, how would they have uh, the, the uh, cop camera footage of it? That's because this right here, Motorola uh, Solutions, is not necessarily, if you'll go back and look at the uh, footage of any other stop, um, like when they stopped them traveling, Uh up in your right corner, it's going to give the cam number, it's going to indicate any of these, the footage that comes from this guy is a Motorola solution. Uh-huh, yeah. And they'll have the, you know, just a list of numbers, but it doesn't identify like a police video uh, cam would. No, but the, poli- know, the, the police act had the footage though. They're the ones that released the footage. Well, theirs did, but this, mm-hmm. this particular one with Maddie's phone is oh, his cam. Okay. Okay. I his see. body cam. So you see the difference in what his body cam would say at the top right corner versus what the police cams that they release says. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, I saw it, yeah. But, but I mean, they had both of the footage. One of the footage from Maddie's, they got that from, from a Freedom of Information Act from the police department. And this other uh-huh. one, and uh, this other one, the long version, came from a Freedom of Information Act also. Okay. From the police department. The picture I sent, uh, the picture I sent you, though, the mm-hmm. Motorola, sir, um, the one where he's holding Maddie's phone. Right. And it's showing her name. This is actually, and it may have come from police footage, but this is actually a body cam he was wearing. It's looking down at this phone. And he walked away from everyone else on that one. And if you'll notice, let's see, um... He's got a thing about phones. Um, on the Banfield stop, and that should be in the same set, 
two different times he's holding a phone. He's steady looking at phones. Mm-hmm. Um, the hands still match up. And in that one, if you look look at the picture, this is the only time it showed his face at all in the um, Banfield stop. Right. It should be, yeah, it's in the one that, that's on that thumb comparison and holding thumbs. Yeah. And the first one is left-hand thumbnail. Then it goes to noise call hand. Just, that's where I was comparing thumbs. Third one, the third one. Is this, this is when he's using his radio, supposedly his, his uh, shoulder radio. And he's got the cell phone in his hand again, looking at it. This, all right, look at the face. Look at the eyes. Look at the nose. There's even the dent. And the side of the nose. Okay, they are in plain clothes. I need to find. You can them. buy those chest. Ra- I mean, the shoulder radios with the cords. But you never once throughout that video, when they're calling in, you never once hear the click click of their mic. You never once hear when dispatch calls back. Um, at one point, when he gave the guy. Okay, he got the go. guy's license, gave it right back. All I right, mean, guys. within a few seconds, said, okay, you've been cleared, you can go. This is we the, heard nothing. This is the big <laughs> one right here. This is the last one you sent me with all of his, the cops' pictures, uh, comparing it to Brian. So I'm going to show that to them right now. Okay, let me go back. I'm going to go to that one so I can kind of look at Suppose it as we it. go. Yeah, now oh. this, is, this is the only time you saw him was the one next to the car, which was very, that was more clear. I tried to enhance these. They were very dark. He tries to stay off of the camera. But these two were taken while the other officer was sitting in the car writing a ticket. And I guess his body cam caught these. He's standing outside with the guys at this point. So I tried to clear them up as good as I could and then included one of the pictures of Brian below that. And to me, they're very, very similar. There's, um, I mean, take a look at those. I will post these in the description below the video for everybody else to check out. Do you still think it, do you still think that this cop that stopped those kids in the field and the cop that was there, uh, with the noise complaints, you think that was actually Brian Nothingburger? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking there is that he has got a buddy working with him. Wouldn't that mean that the cops um, had to cover it up too? Let, let me let me go back because I don't know that I read but put this in any of my emails to you because it won't let you see it so much at a time. And I was trying to be really clear from all of my notes I had taken, but um. Brian had mentioned, he had mentioned wanting to be campus security. There's another video, and and it's probably embedded within a longer video that I saw a while back that they had stopped, and um, I think it was Maddie in her car, and just talking about, um, talking then and finds out about Sororka, and this is another red flag with me. Every time this particular officer talks to anyone he brings up sororities yeah that's true um 
you know, are you in a sorority? Mm-hmm. He gets all of their information. I'm gonna Just tell. Like he, I'm gonna tell the sorority. He did what? That's what he was always saying. I'm gonna tell. Don't make me have to tell the sorority. Yeah, right. But he always asked about. So he he even asked the guys. Um, at the at the noise stop. Yes, they want sorority. Them, there, are they in a sorority? Like, Way what? back in um, in August with the Kaylee, little Kaylee video where mm-hmm. the two cops showed up, mm-hmm. okay? this The one on the porch talking to Kaylee really favors this other dude on the band stop. So is what I'm saying, Bill. But they, at that same point, that's, they talk again about uh, are you in a sorority? You know what? What grade are you? What student you grade you in? But each time they talk to them, they're getting all this personal information. So you said that you, you said that you don't normally call into shows like this, but you're doing a really good job. Well, you're, you're putting it together uh, well, really well, and the the emails they really helped out a lot. But let me let me sum well, this up I, just so I got it straight. Yeah. So you're saying that he. Brian Colberger, nothing burger was pretending that he was a cop in these particular instances that we saw the cop cam, right? Right. Okay. And, and so also, because, um, so you're also saying that would also be saying that the police department is behind a cover up of it, right? Well, I'm not going to go that far because if you look at actual what they release, it, I, you mm-hmm. can tell the difference if you look at the body cam. Top right corner. Uh-huh. There it doesn't say Motorola on the left, and it has a specific number okay. that identifies that body so, count. So some of it was him, and some of it was the other. Uh, right, was right. Okay. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Wanna... They're kind of getting embedded. But what I'm saying, on the night of these murders, had I know that he also, um, oh, what I was going to say, when he, the one where he was talking to Kelly, um, Maddie or Xana, either one was in their white, they were in a white car and was talking to them and they were talking about, you know, they had all were pretty new to the house, et cetera. He mentioned that campus security does these little um, in-home presentation, like training things about safety for new students. Mm -hmm. They would love to set up a time to come. And I'm thinking then that's odd. You know, you're wanting to go in these people's house. Um, and give a, a, a seminar on safety. But if he, you know, if he'd been around enough that the kids, the, the girls had seen him before, and he's, they got on every time he seems to have on either dark clothing or he'll have on khakis and a very dark, very dark shirt um, and jacket, always very clean cut, but the nose is so distinctable. That crook in that nose is very, that's a boxer's fracture. And um, it's real distinct. His nose is very long. It, it's got a narrowed look. Um, I, I, also, they insert themselves into the crime scene. And so I'm not, I, I've seen several pictures since when they were there at the house removing some things. Which um, I have heard Nancy Grace and others say, you know, when they're removing this bedding and everything else, they got it in plastic. You don't do that. Plastic sweats. You you put things into paper bags, not plastic bags. They're bringing out these tons of plastic bags with supposedly 
bedding or soiled clothing or whatever, they should be in brown bag, paper bags, not plastic. They've wrapped mattresses. That's right. They're supposed to use paper. They're supposed to use paper, not plastic. But I'm seeing some of these same faces. I'm seeing some of the same faces at the at the house. You're seeing some of the same faces. Um, and this one that I do believe is Brian. And, and if he comes in and says he's campus security and these girls have seen him and who's to say they haven't stopped before at the grub truck or whatever, um, they would not have thought twice anybody in the neighborhood seeing a cop there. They're used to seeing cops there. Um, they most probably had seen him. He probably had been there on a couple of calls. But his voice, if you listen to these different, the past, the newer videos, based on that Banfield stop, the voice is, it, I mean, to me, I'm convinced. And I'm not an expert. I don't have a way to sit and, you know, use the technology to compare the voices. But in, in, in training, when you're doing crime scene investigations, I mean, you just, you don't bag things in plastic. You don't haul off evidence before defense has had a chance to even go look at everything. Um, the, there's no radio noise. And there's always radio noise. They usually, you can hear it beep, you can hear them muted out. And this Banfield stops the one that really got me thinking because he's steady, you know, he jokes around with the guys. Oh, yeah, well, that would be $200 more if you don't have this fine. You can go buy more beer. This supposedly stopped them because they were drinking. I found that odd, an odd comment. When he he cuts up with, with the guys, but in every instance, when this particular officer is dealing with females, he's very condescending. He has an attitude. He threatens with giving tickets and going to the Greek council. All right. Well, that's already been proven that, that, and that's by another video that truth and transparency. I just watched today. Um, when they had the ride along guy, the ride along guy stayed in the background. And if one of the cameras started to point towards him, he kind of back into the shadows. But the ride-along guy did go over and help open these beers, which is where I got that, um, you know, that hand comparison of them opening the beers there mm -hmm. to match up. Um, let's say on that third noise, he you can hear his voice, but not on camera. Uh, it just, I'm not saying the cops even maybe know and I do, if they do now, you know, they're keeping so much close to the vest. This is why we're not getting that bits and pieces of, um, just bits and pieces of this affidavit. Um, the day, one of the photos, and I need to send you that one. I just found it today. The day that they're moving things out of there, the same person that has the same shape face, about the same height, plain clothes, and they're removing them, has like a bandana mask on. But all you, you know, you don't see nose and mouth. And that struck me odd. Um, 
it's, it's a lot of stuff, but it's trying to pull this together. What I, what I'm really saying is I believe maybe that that was part of the chief, you know, what might have gotten them onto this is, is noticing this, looking at, at these videos and knowing maybe he's not with our department. And then it may, begs the question, um, the last uh, presser, the chief did say, even though they have the suspect in custody, to keep sending in tips. This indicated me maybe they did think it was more than one. But why would someone not let him in, you know, if he showed up at that time of the morning? I mean, they're used to seeing cops come. Why not open the door? Oh, and then the one other thing that got me was with the timing with the door dash and then that supposedly we've had Zana on TikTok and ordering DoorDash all in a very, very short period of time before the murders occurred. Yes. And um so the even the personal driver called in and to me the voice sounded a lot like him, but he had a Taco Bell receipt. Okay. Well, who's to say Taco Bell couldn't have been put down in a Jack, uh, Jack in the box bag, because if you notice on that, also the police photo of the kitchen, there's a Jack in the box bag sitting on the table and it has Xana written on it. It doesn't look like Xana. I mean, it's, it's still, it's not crumpled like somebody's been digging through it. So obviously Xana didn't get to eat, but it was on the kitchen table. Um, who could somebody else have used her phone? Did somebody else had ordered this DoorDash delivery because you know where the Jack in the Box is on Pullman Road. And uh, if we go back and really look at the time they spotted his vehicle on Pullman Road, you may find something lines up in that area for him to pick up some Jack in the Box. Um, there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of dots to connect. There's still a lot of questions. There's still a lot of things you can't rule out, but it's just to me, things that stand out is always asking about sorority, always getting their name, all of their personal information, which then is very easily go online, look them up, pull up their, any of their social media. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm... I'm not touching on Dylan right now. I'm, I'm still looking in some areas on that, and I, I don't want to say anything that I would imply anything against her. At, you know, at this time, um, the only thing I will say is, and you know, just in my experience, that eight hour, however long, <clears throat> six to eight hours, <clears throat> kind of doesn't line up. But <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not gonna. Stand, you know, sit here and implicate her yeah, at this fine. time. I'm, I'm too busy still digging into so all of this. For those but just I, tuning I mean, in right just now, compare the photos. Those, those. And see uh, what your viewers think. Well, I've been showing them the whole time, and I'm starting to run out of time now. So yeah, I, yeah, I that's want to, fine. And that's I'm gonna fine. Put, um, oh, and then the one where on the noise. I'm going to put all this information out that you get, gave me. I'm going to put it on the description below the video so everybody can look at it. I'm running out of time, so I want to go ahead and sum this up. Um, you think that uh, nothing, Brian Nothingberger was posing as a cop. 
there in, in Moscow. Jacket that uh, he had on in the Banfield stop. When mm. I did a Google lens search on it, pulled up a Nike. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of an interesting coincidence. But this is just my wild ass theory. It's oh. going at a whole different it's angle a whole different than I've heard anybody else. Going I don't know. Out. I don't. I don't know that you're right, and I don't know that you're wrong right now because that's right. the information. Well, we have. I don't but either. I do know it's wild yeah. and it's interesting to listen to, and I, I know I appreciate your calling. Sure, but I would encourage people kind of digging that a little bit and, and you know, and see what kind of, you know, compare, compare, compare what he looks like to these images, compare the hands, compare time frames. Um, I'm still wanting to dig more into the time of Pullman Road. I know everybody, everybody that's there in Discord now says they want to look at all this stuff that I have in Discord after the show's over, so I'll put it up there for you guys later. I appreciate yeah, your calling. You know, Thank you very them. much. Yeah, do that. Share it out because, okay. you know, the more of us that use our wild-ass speculation together, we may come up with something that really everybody can agree on, you know? You never know. But this is just my passion. So you go have a wonderful evening. Thank you very I thank much. you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a good evening. Uh-huh. I do want to say this about Cindy's theory, and I would have said it in front of her. It's not a big deal. But her theory before uh, Brian Kohlberger was arrested was more mind-blowing than it was after he was arrested. And it's still mind-boggling. It's a good theory. I mean... I'm sorry, not a good theory. It's a good wild-ass theory. And uh, I'll put that in the di- the Discord for you guys. Um, I got more stuff. There's somebody who wants to call from the chat room. Uh, what was the name? Chris? So, chat room is telling me that they know that he knew uh, Mr. Nothingburger when he was in high school. He had some things he'd want to say. So I'm going to open up the phone line for him to call in. So if you guys could hold off for a little bit. Phone line is now open for Chris. um, So he can talk to us about that. Everybody wanted him to call in so they could ask questions. There's a bit of the delay. So he said he did have a sick kid. So I don't know if he's going to be be able to call or not. But I want everybody else to hold off until we're able to find out. I do have more. Midnight caller line. It's Jerry. Who am I speaking with? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who am I speaking with? This Chris. Hey, Chris. Thank you for calling in. What's going on, brother? Not much. Where are you calling from? Uh, Pennsylvania, actually. Pennsylvania. Out by, uh, yeah, like Philly area, about an hour away from uh, the Poconos where all this went down. Oh, so you knew him from uh, the Poconos. Yeah, grade school up to, uh, he was a year behind me, so up until uh, my senior year of high school. But I knew his mom way more than I knew him because his mom worked at the school, so. You know, we heard about his his mom a lot lately because of an article she wrote about Ted Bundy a long time ago. She would have actually been young when she wrote it. Oh, wow. Have you heard about yeah, that? Didn't... Nope. I just remember my encounters with her from uh, back in the day. That's all I can recall. So she actually worked at the school? 
Yeah, yeah, she worked uh she worked at the high school. Um and like I said on uh you know the other podcast, she was a she was a very nice lady, probably one of the you know, only ones I remember from high school that were nice, to be honest with you. Um so I can't really say anything bad about about her. Um I don't know what she wrote, I don't know what she did. I just remember it wasn't a bad you know, article. My with her. It wasn't a bad article, it was just an article saying that people shouldn't celebrate when someone gets the death penalty, that's all. Yeah, yeah, I never. I got to look into that though. Yeah, uh, I think there's a link in the show notes for our last episode. There, the article. It's a oh, it's cool. a little article. It's more like a letter to the editor, is what it is. They call it an article. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I kind of refrain from uh, speaking to the news only because, like, all these people that they're uh, interviewing, I know, and you know, they're kind of like contacting me after. And if you see the last person that was interviewed, Rich Pasqua. You know, he was kind of talking about Brian, like I, you know, like I remember Brian, and they kind of cut him off. So, you know, they don't really let you say any, I guess, if you want to call it, good things about how he used to be. Um, they're just looking for something like, you know, that they could use to to paint him a different way. So I'm just here to kind of answer any questions somebody you know has from how he was before high school. I can't answer anything from after high school because I didn't really know him. So what about before high school when you actually spent some time around him or knew him? What was it like yes. at that young age for him? Yeah, so yeah, so back in grade school, I just remember he was bigger. Um, he was definitely bigger back in high school. Uh, kind of kept himself, but he was always very intelligent. And then as he got into high school, I started working out, losing weight. Um, and to be honest with you, and it sounds weird, he made a complete 180, you know, of his life. And, you know, everybody could see it. It's, I guess it's all, all this is just crazy because, you know, this isn't the person that I – you know, Recall, I noticed anyway, that he was, when I was looking at it, he, he was overweight. Um, he mm-hmm. you know took charge with that, but also there was a difference in his schooling. You know, he wasn't a serious yes. student before, and then he, he clamped on to being a serious student. And that's what I mean. Like, he completely, you know, it was a complete 180. So, you know, if you asked me from his graduating class who I thought would be capable of this, he, just being honest with you, probably would have been, in, you know, towards the bottom of the list because, you know, his, his academics, his you know, everything like that was just, you just wouldn't expect all this from, from him. But again, I don't know what happened, you know, throughout his college years, what changed, you know, so. Did he have ever have a problem of being, uh, having empathy or being personal with, with, uh, anybody, uh, communicating with others? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he always had like that, like that, that stare that looks like he's like mean mugging you. Um, and then when you talk to him, it's kind of like, like me and you can kind of bounce off each other like we're talking now and have a conversation. He was more like, uh, I guess, you know, using big words, um, kind of slow when he talked. Um, so it wasn't like a, you know, a back and forth conversation. It was kind of like a slow conversation. You but know, one he thing always I, had that blank stare. The, one thing I know is if you have a whole lot of knowledge, especially if you read a lot, uh, there's, there's mm-hmm. several cases of guys that have read through the entire Encyclopedia Britannica before they went online and, they would take all this information they had and they would be dying to talk to somebody about this, all this information that they had. So I'm thinking maybe a part of that, uh, might've been okay. a part of that might be that hmm. if he has a lot of information and he wants to share it with somebody, it would make, it, it made for awkward conversations and what I've seen. Yeah. Like I said, he, it was, um, you know, he was always kind of in that, in that click, uh, throughout grade, grade school. But then once he started, you know, doing all this stuff in high school, he started like kind of intermingling with different cliques. And that's kind of how, you know, I wound up, you know, knowing him, um, 
because of the clicks that he was talking to. So, you know, a lot of people that, you know, he talked to and were friends with in school, I, I know, you know, I just, I didn't know, again, I didn't know him as, as well as I knew um, his mother because he was a year behind me. But again, I remember seeing him and interacting with him a couple of times. And like I said, it's just, this is just a big shocker to be honest with you. Yeah, but everybody's shocked there, <laughs> there, especially knew him. You can't believe it, especially something this big. I got no. I mean, they're coming up here to do a documentary and stuff. Uh, I think on the twenty third, and they're like, you know, calling all of us, texting all of us, to try to be in this documentary. And I'm, I'm just not sure about it yet, man. Yeah, I don't know if I would either. Yeah, and like I said, well, I, I, mean, I, if... I like you. You know, this is how I get my news YouTube. That's why, like, I appreciate what you do, just so you know. Um, I saw, you know, we were talking about that gentleman who was on the news talking about the internet slews, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. I don't understand what that means. So is he trying to, is he, is he trying to, uh, kind of say like what you're like, what you're doing right now with an open discussion, are you, would that be considered an internet slew? Uh, so what they're doing is there, there were some people on YouTube. I'm going to just say his name, Joseph Morris, one of them that faked information. I don't know if you heard about it, about the oh, okay. screaming. So they're putting them at the top and saying they're talking about them, but they are actually talking about everybody here on YouTube that talks about this because they hmm. feel like nobody should, but them because it cuts into their viewers. I mean, how many people are watching this now instead of watching the nightly news about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is somewhere where you can actually get, you know, some insight and kind of think for yourself instead of just watching one version of it. Exactly. That's, that's so. what appeals to us. That's what appeals to all yeah, of well, us. Yeah, well, that's why I think they're threatened. And I think they forgot that this is the United States of America. And 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you know, we could have a conversation without being reprimanded. And now they get upset because we're doing the same thing they're doing just because we have different views and don't agree with what they say or whatever. I mean, it's no reason to go after, you know, somebody like yourself who is just trying to have an open conversation with people and, you know, they're able to express their opinions and get answers. It, it makes me mad whenever I hear about it because when they talk about internet sleuths, to me, they're talking about the audience and that's just wrong to me. Yeah. Um, well, that's why like, you know, you, you're, you're seeing them talk about, you know, them every single day. And then you ask yourself, like, am I allowed to even voice my opinion? You know, am I even allowed to voice my opinion right now? Am I going to get in trouble for voicing my opinion? Like it literally makes you think if you're even allowed to have a voice anymore. And that was a problem that I was going over earlier in the show. There was people worried about saying anything or talking about this case because they're afraid that they would uh, ruin Brian's ability to get a free trial. You know, I mean a fair trial. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, no matter what they're going to find, I mean, they're going to find a jury somewhere that doesn't know anything about this. It's not, it's not that hard. Not everybody watches the news every single day or, you know, tunes into YouTube every single day. So I don't think that's going to be a bigger problem than, you know, than what they think. Sometimes the jury selection process takes a long time. And we have a listener, mm -hmm. her name is Echo, and she lives in that area. And she says, there's a lot of people there that don't, it's a rural community that aren't even on the internet yet. So they'll find them. Yeah. There. I mean, like I said, to, to be honest with you, I, I went a couple of places, um, you know, bro, just, just to kind of see if, if this is how, you know, how viral this is. And the first two people I brought it up to at the stores, they had no idea. Um, so it's not like everybody, you know, it's not like us that were, you know, tuning in, you know, every single day to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I just feel like they'll be able to, you know, find an unbiased jury and, you know, have a fair trial and, you know, the news and media just need to relax a little bit because if they're going to talk about it every day, then you should be able to talk about it every day. Nothing makes them different from yourself so, so or too. myself or anybody. I got a couple questions for you, know. you from the, from the audience. here. Sure, man. Yeah. I can't, I can't see the, uh, the chat right now. I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. 
Um, they're asking, did Brian Kohlberger ever get into any fights at school that you know of? Yeah, so that was, yeah, so that was a big question somebody asked me. I mean, again, when I was there, um, I went through kind of a transformation in high school, me and my best friend, and he might have been a little bigger than me, but we were kind of like the biggest kids in school as far as like, you know, muscle-wise. And, you know, we, we kind of like knew who the bullies were and – I just, I was just always against bullying. I just, you know, that's why I hung out with every clique because I don't believe in just, you know, hanging out with a person just because they're in a certain status. You know, if they're a good person, you know, I feel like, you know, there's no reason not to uh, get to know them. So in high school, like I said, his mom worked at the high school. So you know, he was kind of limited to the trouble he was able to get in, in school. And I never saw, just personally, I never saw any fights. Um, I heard he got into boxing, which, Again, I think that's later on because my best friend Steve boxed, and he and there's only one gym in that area, and uh, and I went there a few times. I never saw Brian there, so if he started that back in you know in his junior year, you know I can't I can't say. But from when I was in school, I didn't. Again, he was completely opposite from somebody who would pick a fight. You would just think he's, you know, he got one of the highest scores on the on the uh, PSSAs, which is a Pennsylvania State Assessment. So again, just not the person that you know you would think would do this heinous act to be honest do you think he did it that's a question from the audience do i think he did it i mean i'm gonna have to say yes because i'm not trying to you know trigger anything not that you're convinced i mean not that you you're convicting him or anything and we haven't gone through the trial yet but just off of what's presented to us right now you think he did it? Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you listen to my uh, when I called into a podcast before the affidavit came out, I was very stern on, you know, if you did it, fry him, you know. But after the affidavit came out, I, I just have questions. Let's just say that. Right. There's not a lot of wiggle room, but there there's not a whole lot. There's enough to get that. Um, what do you call it? Of Put course, it in front of a jury, but yeah. I, I just know yeah, they have more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there there has to be blood in that car. So if they get that, then they're good. I don't understand. I heard – actually, I got two things. I don't understand mm-hmm. why – I heard a report that he cleaned his car vigorously after he got back, you know. So, yeah, so, yeah, I saw that. I mean, like that? I said, the breaking – yeah, the breaking news of him cleaning his car, throwing out his trash. I mean, six weeks after the fact, plus it doesn't matter what you do to a, a – you know, an interior of a car that had just had blood seeped into it, you're not going to get out all the proteins that they're not, that's not going to be able to hit with the light to uh, see that blood used to be there. So if blood was in that car, they'll know, you know, Plus, you can clean that car with when they pulled him over. You you're right. You, they pulled him mm-hmm. over too. And you see how dirty the outside of his car was. It didn't seem like he was. Yeah, I saw that, but I figured he was driving across country. So, you know, he's driving through snow and all kinds of dirt and stuff. So that's I didn't right. really didn't mind to that i just i just saw a lot of people saying like was it planned was it not planned and i knew it was planned the minute i saw the uh the body cam because they never ran his plates usually they call what they do is when they pull you over they call in their mile marker in case you don't come back to the car and then they call in your plates to see if you have a warrant and they go get your id right yeah i didn't notice and then they go back to the car that's right yeah my man Mm -hmm. you just brought that to my attention that's the first thing they do they didn't do that in the video not at all so i knew it was planned the moment i saw it Absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's rumored that he was on drugs in high school. Do you know if that's true? Yeah, he did. Uh, I heard he did the H train okay. with uh, a few people that I know. So he did. Do you, do you like know? I said, if you if you watch, yeah, if you watch um, 
I don't know if you're able to bring up after I'm off here, but if you want to bring up the interview with Rich Pasqua, I can verify everything he said. And he kind of just, he's blatant truth about, you know, the drug use that he used to do with Brian and stuff like that. So I don't know if you saw that interview yet. No, I didn't see it. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's like the most recent one. Do you know if he was, uh, had some kind of, was seeing like a psychiatrist or something in high school? Did he go through rehab for the drugs and he was on some kind of medication? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he well again. This is just from what Rich said. Uh, he went to rehab. I guess he was in and out of rehab after high school. So all this stuff, like I saw the drug use and all the in and out of rehab and stuff, happened after I graduated. So I don't know if it happened in his senior year. I don't know if it happened after high school. I can't, like I said, I can't speak on something that I don't know 100% fact of. But I do know that yes, he he did use. So okay, that's a 100% fact. All right. I just got a whole deluge of questions here. And I don't know if you know that. Did he have a girlfriend in high school? So that was a big question people asked me. I mean, he walked around with a girl like all the time, um, every day. So I assumed they were together. And a lot of people are saying he didn't have a girlfriend. But then I saw today that his Tinder date came out and I guess gave their gave her recollection on their date and stuff like that. So I'm assuming he was dating girls because that's what I saw and that's what somebody came out and said. So I think that's just what I assumed. I think this other question leads into that one. How did he treat women? Well, he walked him down the hallway. That's what you saw. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like he never, like I said, he wasn't a violent person. So, uh, I mean to say how he treated them, I don't know how his relationship went, but he walked around, like I said, he walked around with, with the same girl and then never really, like I never saw him hit anybody or, or anything like that. So I can't really speak on how he was with in relationships. Somebody has a question. Mm-hmm. Was he adopted, but it's already been verified that that's his biological father, I believe. Yeah. And I believe his father worked for the school as well, but don't quote me on that. I know his mom did for. Could you tell us what his, fa- what, the, what his mother did at the school? What she did. Yeah, yeah. She was, uh, she was like the hall. She was like the hall person. So like, that's why everybody knew her because when you'd walked in the hall, she'd be there and there'd be a couple other ones, but she was, she was a really nice one. So that's why you know everybody remembers her. Um, so she was kind of like a sub slash hall person. And uh, yeah, like I said, she would kind of just not give you a whole bunch of crap like everybody else. And she was just very personable. So um, like I said, I can't really, I can't say anything bad about her. Right. As far as, as as a person that I remember, I did not know his sister though, but at all, or his, sisters or anything like that. His sister is younger than him, right? Or is she older? Sorry, what was that? Is his sister younger or older than him? I believe his sister. I believe his sister was older because she made. Uh, I heard she made some kind of film in two thousand and something, like a horror film or something. Yeah, she made a she made a horror film. Yes, I believe she's older than him, but again, I never, I never met, I never met a sister, so. Uh, you never met a sister, okay. That was the question. Yeah. Uh, on last night's episode, yeah. we had a picture of his sister, um, and a picture of, it looked like his sister was with the, the defense at the house, taking video of mm-hmm. it, looked like she was there. Wow. They were going to ask if you knew, uh, knew if that was her, but you didn't oh. know her, so. That's the answer. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I know there's a picture of her. I mean, her picture's like everywhere now as far as what she looked like to compare it to. Yeah, guys, if you want to check that out, that's the last episode. It's in the description below last episode, and both of her pictures are there if you guys want to look. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I mean, he did come, he did come to like two of my parties, but we didn't have too much interaction. It was kind of just like, Hey, thanks for coming. Um, and I don't really think I saw him too much throughout the night, but he only came to about two of them. Uh, so again, it wasn't a strong friendship. It wasn't really a friendship. It was more of just, you know, somebody that you saw all the time and kind of just watched them just again, <laughs> just, just do a complete 180 from ground and, it looked like for the better, but I guess not. This is sad. I can't remember something like this happening since the Jared Fogel debacle. Changes. Who, who was that? Jared Fogel, the subway guy. Subway guy. Fill me in. Jared Fogel. He bit. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that oh, guy. Yeah. I mean, completely <laughs> changed his life around at that time, yeah. But, I mean, this That's is worse. right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. Of, I don't know what's going on with people that lose weight, and then they just snap and it seems like oh here's but, here's like a good said, question he didn't mm-hmm. seem he didn't seem to be a narcissist to me at all um we read some of his tap talk uh comments that he made when he was 17 years old and it seemed like he was you know going through that struggle every adolescent goes to but maybe it was amplified mm-hmm. by psychotropic drugs and we some of us kind of you know recognize ourselves in that but he didn't yeah see, i mean the only thing i can i mean the only thing i can say up until June of 2022, he wasn't taking anything crazy for as far as like psych meds go. Okay. I can't really give too much information on that, but I'm just letting you know that up until June of 2022, he wasn't taking anything. Should I take more stuff than he takes as far as for like anxiety and stuff? So he really wasn't taking anything crazy up until June 2022. I can't talk about anything after that, but again, that's allegedly. I just. What do you mean? Uh, I just kind of know that. What do you mean, June 2022? Okay, June. June. Okay, gotcha. He wasn't taking anything yeah. after that. Yeah, okay, I see. Before, no, no. Be, yeah, before. I gotcha. Yeah, before, like, yeah. So after that, I don't know what, after he changed pharmacies and stuff, I don't know what what occurred. I just know from June 2022 and prior, he wasn't okay. on anything. He wasn't before that. Okay. Negative. Okay, just make sure, got that straight in my mind, so. Before June 2022, mm-hmm. he was not. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. But but as far as high school, about that time, he was? What, what do you mean? On any kind of cyprotrochic medication? So June, June of 2022 and prior. So Okay, so all the way back. I was in, yeah, yeah, yes, I was in high okay. school in like 2011. Now, right. I don't know about like the methadone and all that stuff when you like, you know, get off of heroin and stuff i can't i don't really know nothing about that i just know the pharmacy side okay all right i got it it's crystal clear now yes sir man and again that's why i'm here i'm just you know just to kind of answer any any questions people had without you know just kind of but i know everybody's just so eager to make up a narrative that you know it kind of just drives you crazy i bet it would (laughs) i bet it would um Guys, do you guys have any more questions so I don't take up this gentleman's entire night? Yeah, sorry about that. I would have hopped on earlier, but my uh, my daughter has a little ear infection, I guess. She just started hurting her. So It's all right. I understand. I have a... Yeah, so like I said, man, I appreciate what you do. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I think it's great. Don't let any of those media people get to you because, again, they're doing the same thing. It's just you're letting us have a voice, and they're kind of you know trying to suppress us, so... All right. I appreciate right, it very much. I really do. Thank you. I'm not being the chat, man. You guys have a good night. All right, you too. All right.
like to thank that last caller for clearing up some things for me. It must have been wild thinking about all those people there in that town. And this is just like a week ago. They find out who the suspect is. It must be an utter shock. We're thinking about Idaho too, but what happened there when he was arrested? It must have been wild being in that town. All right, guys, I'm going to open up the phone lines for a little bit longer for you guys. I think we're going long today, right? Right? All right. Let's see. Let me go open up that phone line again if I haven't. I know some of you guys might want to discuss some of the topics we're going on today. I know the phone lines were on fire earlier. I will check out the interview with Rich Pasquale, Pasqua, is that how you say it? All right. So if you guys want to call in right now, you can. I do have some more stories I want to go over. It is non-Idaho. Wait a second. Oh, I got a band filled. Oh, I got to play. I got to play band filled. All right. So somebody in chat saying... Discord, please. Midnight Callers Line, this is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Jerry. This is Marie. I really didn't expect you to answer my call. Why wouldn't I? Well, because I've called before, and I think other people should have the option to speak. Well, they're not calling, so they're going to have to hold their peace for a little while. What do you got going on tonight? Um, I don't really have anything going on tonight. I'm just uh, reviewing all the pieces of all the puzzles. And um, I don't really have anything. How long have you been watching? I've been watching your show uh, probably for a month and a half. No, no, I mean tonight. How long have you been watching? Oh, probably for like an hour or two. Okay. So you saw our last uh, couple callers. Did you have anything relating to what they were going over to talk about? Well, the first lady that called, um, I, I wasn't sure what she was all talking about. Um, but, um, no, I don't. You don't? Um, well, I have some other people that are waiting to call in and I have an Ashley Banfield. I'm going to let you take those calls because I really didn't expect to get through. All right. I'll talk to you next time. I'm not prepared. That's all right. Thank you for your time. Well, you gave it a shot. (laughs) All right, I'm sorry. All right, bye. Now we got a clip from your girl, Ashley Banfield. A little over 400 miles away from Moscow, Idaho, the case of another deadly stabbing during another overnight home invasion. That case has gone cold because it's 15 months now. It happened 15 months since, like before the Moscow. 
Midnight Caller Line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Oh, wow. Did I actually just get through? You got Jerry? through. Yes, you did. <laughs> hi, Jerry. It's Nora. Oh, hi, Nora. How are you? I'm good. And how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I, I, I gave you quite the, quite the email today. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. I had I hadn't even seen Brian Enton yet when I when I sent that I hadn't seen Brian uh, do his whole bit. Brian I was Enton. talking about yeah I didn't I hadn't even seen I saw that when I when I actually was watching he was live tonight I that was based on other uh, media mainstream media folks coming out and saying the same you know the same thing as basically he was saying and I think you're I think we're on the right track it's because competition too much competition. They're getting blown out of the water. They really are. Yeah. And it's funny because they, they it, what cracks me up about it is they created, they create their own monster and then they deny that it was them that created it. Like the frenzy, they whip people up and they get everyone going and they sensationalize. And, and then when, when everyone's all worked up and it's, you know, crazy, they look around like, Oh, why are people acting like this? He did it right on that interview to the victim's sister, and then he blamed online sleuths. Sure did. Sure enough. It's crazy. It's, it, we're like the scape. Well, we, yeah, I mean, as a community, we're the scapegoat for everything. But if you think about high-profile cases, what makes it a high-profile case? Media coverage. That's true. That's true. Right. That, yeah, that's when the true. media invests and decides to cover something continuously in that 24-hour news cycle, as they're doing with this, it, it they decide what's high profile. Like I said, you on that email uh, for everybody else, we were talking. I was talking about the the same day that the the Idaho thing, you know murder happened on the other side of the country in Virginia. Three high school, I mean, three college students were shot coming back from a football game on their bus by a classmate. And, you know, it's completely different coverage of what happened there and what happened here. I do have other stories that I was going to go over tonight if we had time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to call in and tell you that, uh, you know, I think it's, I think we're all on the right track with this and this is exactly what the problem is. You're, you're right. You're right. Um, but, you know, they can keep doing that. Here's what I think. I think what they're saying, what they're doing, it's not working. I think it's an illusion. They might make people think that because that's what they say. But hey, we're we're all of us tonight. We're here talking about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's that's how you that's how you fight this kind of thing. Is you just, you know, keep keep doing what we're doing, I and mean, that's exactly what they don't want. And by doing that, we're we're fighting it off. I think. It's, to me, it seems like they feel like they're at war, and us, we're just like, okay, whatever. You know, we might talk about them every now and then, but I mean, you can't be defeated if you never quit and I'm not quitting. And I know a lot of other people that aren't either. That's right. And like I said, you know, free speech is, is free speech. You can be responsible and not, you know, not get the poor father of a victim all wild up about the police. That's all the media. Poor Mr. Gonzalez was fit to be tied thinking there's a cold case and nobody knows anything because the media was, was feeding him that, was feeding the fire. I just thought that was really, that's one of the things I thought was kind of despicable about it was where they, they brought him into that. And 
you know, took advantage of him and his grief. That was your email. Okay. Now I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I felt really bad for him. I think he was definitely taking advantage of. But he used them a little bit too, to get the word out and put pressure on the police. Oh, for sure. Oh, it was a two way street. Oh, for sure. And then I know everybody here, all the internet sleuths were um, supporting <laughs> him too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, yeah, but he was definitely, I think he's just one of those, he's one of those people that enjoys being in that. Maybe it just enjoys, not enjoys it. He wasn't enjoying anything about that, but I mean, he does well in front of people. He can handle himself. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think I think we're good. Uh, we'll talk about Xanax another time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there is Xanax. Yeah, we can talk about yeah, we, that some other time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm just I'm glad I got through it. Uh, good to talk to you. All right, thank you. You have a good evening. Bye, you see. Bye, Jerry. All right. All right, testing. Testing, testing, testing. Oh no. My mic went off. Can you guys hear me? Testing. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing, testing, guys. Midnight Radio. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Mecca. Ah, it's boss. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm glad you called in. I'm doing great. And yourself? Man, I'm I'm glad you're online. I'm doing I'm doing a lot better. I'm a hundred percent. All right, I appreciate that. You're feeling better now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. You got a great show, great uh, viewers. Uh, you got a good thing going on, man. Nothing but nothing but the top for you, bro. I appreciate the encouragement. I really do. For sure. Yeah, I just hit. Uh, well, ahead. no, you go ahead. I was I'm just probably saying, gonna end up taking off your time. No, no, I just hit the wrong button, and that's why I couldn't hear myself. So I'm fine now. People were asking, but I hear. So you let me get into it, man. Right, yeah, let me it. get into it. So, uh, I've been doing some uh, analyzations, and uh, you know, I, I'm looking at his parents. You know, uh, sort of like the saying goes, uh, "The fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree." And, you know, reading all those posts that he did, you know, he was at a young age, at 17 years old, he was able to self-analyze himself at at a very high level. You know, I was really impressed with his literature. and, and, And even though he was, you know, reaching out for help, you know, his insight on his own self internally, um, it was at a level higher than a 17 year old. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm I'm figuring he gets 
a nurturing, a huge nurturing side from his mom, especially after hearing Chris, you know, uh, discussing, you know, how, how his mom conducted herself and just, you know, he said that she was a lovely person. And so he probably got a lot of nurturing and understanding from the mom's side, you know, but the dad, and I even heard from other articles and whatsoever where the dad was maybe a little off, maybe in his younger days, you know, he probably ended up working out, got a cool little job with the, you know, uh, school system and, you know, maybe got rid of some bad habits, but I really think that dude's, behavior was learned and he might have learned it from his pops you know what i'm saying like pops might have been on some shit back in those days you know they did say like they had some type of association with brooklyn and and vegas you know before they moved out to peaceful pennsylvania the Pocahontas. so um you know just seeing the little road trip pops knew what it was you know what i'm saying when 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 nothing burger called him was like, Hey man, I need you to uh, ride out and, you know, fly out and ride back with me. Pops knew what it was. You know what I'm saying? That's why like they threw, they inserted themselves with the WSU shooting to kind of cause a diversion, a distraction. Cause if you know about the shooting, if it's from coming from the dad's perspective, if you know about the shooting at Pullman, then you know about the four students that were killed over here in Moscow. And you notice when the cop pulled them over, he never mentioned anything about that. He he inserted the conversation about, you know, the WSU shooting, which is, you know, odd to me that he even brought that up to that cop. You know, it's like a, another form of reverse psychology, you know. Like a distraction. Game recognizing game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking they had to have discussed um, it. I don't, I don't necessarily think the father knew. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I'm, I don't think he knew. But I, man, it would have been hard for a father and a son to be going down that road for as long as they were, and to not be discussing it. You know, something that close. I, I think the father knew because the one thing that's off about their road trip is when they took the Utah and Colorado route to get to Pennsylvania. They could have took I ninety the whole entire way through. That them going to Utah and Colorado, trust me, dude, I've taken that road trip a hundred million bazillion godzillion times. And there is no need to take that Colorado and Utah route that they took unless he dude, that's probably where he dumped the weapon if you know presumably if he's the one that did it that's what cindy said when i was talking to her she thinks that the reason for that long drive was for nothing burger to ditch the knife and if he if he ditched the knife and the pops had to know i mean come on dude i i have five kids bro there, there's nothing that they can hide from me they not they might not tell me the whole entire truth but if they did something as horrendous as poked up four people to death like that's not going to go by me you know saying you know your children if you have children Mm -hmm. that's why i say it had to been some type of learned behavior and that's why the dad flew out there in the first place because it's kind of like that concept like damn i i got to clean up what i created in the first place you know i i kind of created this you know in, in, in that type of sense 
So, now to the flip side. You ready for this? I'm ready. Lay it on me. What if the defense tries to use this aspect of, oh, well, Brian Nessenberger got pulled over by the Moscow police in September, and they realized that he had a weapon on him that where the blade was longer than two inches. So either A, they confiscated it and reported it, or B, like I told you in my first story, they confiscated it and didn't report it and kept it for their own little personal collection. The only reason why I could say something like that, because I experienced it with my own self with Idaho. They're, eight, they're, they're capable of corruption on that type of level. So say if the defense tries to say something like, well, you know, Nuttenberger says that you guys took his knife when you guys pulled him over. Now that's going to create a whole nother OJ spin. You know, so, you know, we as the viewers, the spectators have to prepare ourselves for, you know, that defense isn't just going to lay down unless dude just comes out with a confession. I think we're at the point now, I, I really don't feel like the affidavit had anything more than they needed to to get him in the court. And I think there's a lot of information they don't have yet. But a question I have about the knife if he was taking that long route to get rid of that knife, that sounds like a plausible idea. But then you think, uh, Chris just brought up the phone call earlier that they didn't call in the plates. You know, they didn't do the things they normally do on a regular stop. I mean, any of us that regularly been stopped would know. And then um, I noticed like, yeah, that's right. So do you think they were following him? Honestly, bro. No, honestly, I'm, and I'm not trying to insert race in this because I'm, I'm mixed, I'm black and white, so I don't have the audacity or the right to be racist, but I, I just think that was a, a symptom of white privilege. Uh, a father and son getting pulled over in Indiana in an Elantra, there's no smell of weed, that the, the cop's not even going to waste his time. You know, they're only going to, I've been on these highways, I know how they conduct themselves, and, you know, it's, I just think it was a situation of that, that you wouldn't be able to, those cops would have had to been Grammy award winning actors to be able to just have information like, Oh, this dude just knifed up four people and he's making a cross country road trip and we're going to let him get back home. And you're just going to have a casual conversation with him and don't give him a ticket and let it go. Like that's like that. That's acting. That's not, policing so i don't i don't think it was that you think it was just um because they were following tailgating i i think it was because they had washington plates and that's a major corridor for um weed runners and cops tend to target vehicles that have plates that are from Washington and Oregon and California and maybe even nowadays Nevada. But I know definitely Washington for sure, especially when you get to that Indiana area, Ohio area. Um, yeah, when they see those plates, but when, you know, when the cop looked in and saw that it was, you know, um, you know, father and son from Poconos, Pennsylvania, he wasn't looking for that. He was looking for something else. 
you know, that's what those cops are really on the high, the interstate really uh, looking for, you know. You know, this is one question I want to ask Chris, but I, I didn't get to it. But I think I think he pretty much answered it anyway when he said both parents worked for the school system, the high school, nonetheless. I wondered how much money they yeah. that that family had, if it was well to do or lower middle class or where they they probably sixty thousand ish, you know, combined. You know, there's no telling how they acquired that house. You know, they might have got that house from, you know. Um, you know, when someone dies, they leave you something like maybe one of the parents might have left that or something weird, you know. Um, and nowadays, in certain areas, it's probably not too hard to really acquire property, and it really depends on the time that they acquired the property. Um, but it's probably a combined income of about 68000 I'm assuming, somewhere probably around there, which in today's society is, you know, if you're a modest person, you you can make a living off of that. Oh yeah, it was a nice house though, especially for that. Yeah, class. you know they. Oh, that's right. Yeah, dude, they could have been in car accidents and got paid. You know, a whopper here, a whopper there. You know, you know how the game goes. Um, it, it, it's a nice house, but it's you can look at the curtains that you know it's probably really funky on the inside. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I, I looked at the curtains and, you know, I, I got a little Martha Stewart in me and I just could only imagine what the furniture on the inside looked like. Um, you know, but going back to that, you know, if the dude did it, I think what really happened is that him being 28 years old, this was probably his first time away from his family. You know what I mean? At 28 years old. Like me, I, by the time I was 28, dude, I already started having gray hairs on my chin. And, dude, I've been around the world seven times by then. You know, and this was this dude's first time being away from his family. Probably uh, holiday blues coming on. You know, all these other students, are they're going closely home. You know, because a lot of them, they went to school in Moscow, but they lived in Spokane. They lived in Coeur d'Alene. They lived in Boise. You know, they, they didn't live too far. So I think something triggered in him like, man, I don't have my family. Holidays are coming up, and I'm not making any excuses for the chump at all by any means. Right. But I think that's one of the things that really triggered him is that he didn't really know how to process being away from home. Because looking, just doing my research on the dude, the dude's never been away from home. Did you watch our show last night or the night before we we went over his uh... – Messages he left on Tap Talk when he was seventeen. Uh, no, I didn't, but I'm familiar with those. Okay, uh, he said at the time he was leaving home for the first time there when he was seventeen. Yeah, but him leaving home probably meant that he was going to that college down the street and maybe living on the dorm. You're right. So it wouldn't have just it wouldn't have been out of the city even. Yeah, you know, he he still got to smell mom's apple pie, you know. So I I think him being this far and just when he saw that situation, because if you think about it, bro, you got to be a damn savage to look at a house that has five cars parked in front of it and just in your mind mentally say, like, 
I'm going to walk in this house and I'm going to knife up four people, you know, and, and five cars, that could mean anything from five people to 25 people being up in that house. Why do you think, you know, he, like, so the, why do you think he did it? Saying, why do you think he did it? That's the million dollar question, man. That's, the, that's what's been keeping me up. I think I know why Late he did at night it. Is, I really do. I, I, I really think that it has a, like I said, a, I think it has something to do w- with separation issues. And there was something about that house that reminded him of home and made him jealous of that situation. And he wanted to take that joy because he couldn't have it. I don't think it was anything personal to any one of those people in that house. I just think that he had some major separation issues going on. So why else would he call for his dad to drive across country with him? There's no way I would inconvenience one of my parents. That's a good point, especially at his age. When we talked before, I believe you said you, you thought that they met at the mad Greek before. And that's where he pinpointed these girls. I I didn't say that. Didn't say um, that. Okay. I I could have I could assume that being. I mean, looking at that dude's nose, you know, he has a, a nose like Aristotle or something, man. Like I I and they have a vegan menu. That's um, a strong nose. I I did go I did go on to their like I'm a I do Google reviews. So when I looked up that restaurant, it pulled up all their Google reviews and actually Kaylee had commented on there and one of the Jacks or Jakes or one of them had commented on there. And it's kind of sad, you know, how Kaylee almost spoke her life into existence because she had said something like, oh, the food is to die for. That that was one of her posts. And it was like a week or two before um, she had passed away. I still got that screenshotted, actually. Like she had said that the food was to die for. And it's like young people out there, you got to be careful what you say, you know, oh. speak weird shit into existence, you know? So he met, yeah. he could have possibly <laughs> met him there and they had joy that he wanted to take away. You know, there's a, another theory going around that, uh, his whole pursuit and career of crime criminology was because he wanted to fill the emotions on something so extreme as that he thought he had filled something and then he was pulled when he when he wasn't he was pulled in to do something even worse to see what he had feel you think that's a possibility he definitely did it for a certain type of rush and if he did it for that rush like an adrenaline rush that definitely lets me know that this wasn't his first time doing this Mm mm-hmm you wouldn't think you know, somebody would at, go at to this. Twenty-eight. Usually at twenty-eight, your your adrenaline is dwindling. You know, you, you at twenty-eight to do that for your first time—that's just like almost inconceivable. You know, for me to imagine, especially at that magnitude. Like I said, forget the four people. There mm-hmm. were five cars out there. That—that's like, dude, like if there's a basket full of cobras and you hear them all hissing and their tails rattling, that's your first indication not to stick your hand in that basket. 
And this dude went above and beyond that. He put his body in that basket knowing that there was Cobras in it. You know, the, seeing that there was all those vehicles parked out there and an apartment complex there and another housing unit right here and another housing unit right there. Like, the, That's the, extreme, the dude you're had right. to been smoking like, yeah. It's he extreme. had to either been like Super on some extreme. Yeah. It's not even like, like putting I, your hand, it's, it's like just, putting your man pebbles in the Cobra basket. It's horrible. Man. So, it, yeah, yeah. Man look pebbles at, with elephant titan. Yes. <laughs> he went all the way. So he would have had to have done small things first. He would have had to, dude, to, 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 re, um, so, to reboot that adrenaline, or you know, to, because it, it takes adrenaline. It takes audacity to do that. And, and that's nothing that you're just like, oh, I'm driving and, oh, okay. And, you know, he, if, if he did do this, uh, it, like I said, just the, the fact that he saw all those vehicles parked outside is just like this dude was on one. And you know something else that you know that I kind of noticed too is like the timing of it. Like they have the timing narrowed down, and I was correct in one of my first calls. I said it had to have happened after four because like that cop video at the Banfield ended at like at three thirty or whatever. But timing-wise, they say that the DoorDash person came like at four o'clock. Did they? Did they state that the DoorDash person have communication with the receiving person of the food, which I believe was Zana? No. Or did they just leave it on the doorstep and like take a picture like they normally do? They left no information about that, other than they cleared the DoorDash driver. That they had verification of the DoorDash yeah. driver, what time it was delivered, and that's all the information we have about that. Yeah, because maybe that was his entryway. Maybe, you know, he was watching and saw that DoorDash person come up there and just leave the food and knocked on the door and was like, oh, DoorDash. And when the girl came to get the DoorDash, probably, you know, because the, the, the timing... I just don't really understand the timing. Maybe the food was sitting there, the door, the food was maybe delivered there at four, but maybe she didn't actually receive it or get it until like four ten or something weird like that. So you do a lot of research. Have you looked into the, the Papa Rogers angle? Yeah. Um, that, that picture, it's, it's pretty, pretty similar to what he would look like if he was older. Um, I, I just can't go into it because it, it's not facts and there's right. too many, um, the, 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 there's, there's too many, um, variables involved in it for me to say it's not him because a lot of the stuff really that he was saying in his post was already repeated beforehand. I had already heard detectives and people say that, Oh, he must've left the sheath there. So what he was saying was just recycled news. So mm. I do find it odd that he has it posted. There is one thing I noticed today. I went over everything today, uh, all about the sheet, the whole conversation about it, which it was creepy. But like you said, it had been around before. But there's one thing after the talking about the sheath, and that was he said he asked everybody, how long do you think it took the killer to uh, commit the murders? He said, I think it took 15 Six minutes. minutes. He said 15 minutes. I think it's six. You think it's six? 
six. It had to have been six. Because if she was last, say like TikTok, they say that she was on at TikTok. But what I think is that that's when her account finally logged off of TikTok. Like, let's just say 412. Oh, right. The cameras show, camera show him leaving at 420. They know that the food was delivered at 4 o'clock. Um, I, we didn't get the full coroner's report back. We don't know if she ate her food. They would be able to show in the digest, digestive tract and all that to, to fully know. Um, but I say that it ha- that had happened from the time frame of 412 to 420 and give and take, take away a minute for entering and leaving. Um, so I think it took a matter of about four to five minutes, if that, which is a very long time when you are suspended in a situation like that, four minutes can seem like an, an, an infinity, especially when you go and replay it back in your head residually, if, if you understand what I'm saying. So you think you do think that six minutes would have been enough time? Would have been way more sufficient time. 15 minutes is like inconceivable, really, when it comes to doing a, a crime like that. But I, I think it, it couldn't have been no more than four or five minutes. Wow. Up, upstairs, bing, bada, bing, bada, bing, bada, boom. Um, walk down the stairs, next room, bing, bada, boom, bada, bing, bada, boom, bada, bing, bada, boom. And out the back door, it might even been less than that, man. I never thought about it like that. Because if it, There's a lot of people. Are, it, it, there would have been. Go ahead. There would have been more. With all those people around, there would have been way more interaction. The screams would have been longer. The fight would have been louder. The, the, the yells and there wouldn't have been the frozen situation. I think it happened so quick to where it even left Dylan like, in, in shock and awe to where she had to question if something like that could even happen because of the, the, the swiftness in, in, uh, of you know, it wasn't no long drawn out process, which is something longer to calculate. You know, it was just something that boom, he went upstairs, did his thing, went downstairs, did his thing, and dude was out the door. A lot of people are thinking that fifteen minutes wasn't enough time. And I don't I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you you're saying yeah. it being six, but uh in the affidavit I believe they said they thought it was about fourteen minutes. Um, yeah, I think the whole ordeal from the time he parked and went and parked and, and then, you know, got out, but actually inside action, what he did action wise, I think it took maybe, I think he wasn't in that house for more than four or five minutes, honestly. That would have been in up the stairs, second floor, up the stairs, third floor, back down, back down, shut the door, out the door in the car. Yeah, I don't know. It was a small. It look. It looks bigger on the outside than it does on the inside, for sure. Yeah, I'm familiar with those split level houses. They're really not that big of a house. It's you know, each floor was probably like you know ten feet wide at that. You know, it wasn't like you're dealing with like some you know huge mega house that's you know built on a golf course that's four thousand square feet. It's yeah, I don't. I don't think he he spent much time in there. And look at the numbers too. Four people, 
and there's four people in his immediate family, his two sisters and his mom and his dad. And, you know, I think, like I said, it's something triggered in him, sort of like the warnings on YouTube, trigger warnings. Um, I think something triggered in him. The holidays comes up. You ever hear that song, Stranger in Moscow, from Michael Jackson? No. I never even heard it existed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's kind of like, I think it was like a situation like that. It's uh, one of Michael Jackson's best songs, to be honest with you. Stranger in Moscow. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's called Stranger in Moscow. Yeah, I'm um, listen to it after the show for sure. But I, I think it was just one of those situations where the dude was just like, like, man, everyone has their family but me. I'm going to, you know, since I don't have my family, then mm-hmm. I'm going to take away some other people's family. He might look at that house. Like I said, I don't even think he really had any interactions with any of them. I think he just looked at that house and something about it reminded him of a part of his childhood or his youth or where he comes from. And, uh, you know, so, sort of like... Uh, the Everlast song, you never know what it's like until you have to lose, you know, and him being 28, being away from his house for the first time, I don't think he knew how to process. I don't think he knew how to process that. He, he was one of them birds that flew from the, the, the nest kind of late. Do you think that the affidavit itself, some of the questions that it raises, like one, if, if you're right and it was only six minutes, the defense are probably be able to really hammer at that when they said 14. Do you think there's things from the affidavit that's going to make it hard for the for the state in their case? Mm. Nah. Nah. If, if they, that's only the tip of the iceberg. If they revealed that much information, which was generous, mm-hmm. Um, there's no telling what else they have, you know, the left hand never shows the right hand what it does. You know, it's just, they, if they showed that much, then they have, uh, an, an insurmountable amount of information already laid out for this dude. Yeah, I think you're right. Idaho doesn't, Idaho doesn't like to have the appearance that it makes mistakes, <laughs> you, you know, um, so. If they got him, they got him. That that knife sheath isn't the only information that they're going off of as far as, um, like, DNA-wise. Everything else they have, even, like, when the dad in the interview with King 5, when the dad said that his cell phone communicated with their Wi-Fi router, it didn't connect. It, didn't, it, it just communicated. You know, all devices you get, if I come to your house and my phone gets close enough to your Wi-Fi router, it, it, it's, they're going to communicate with each other. And on the techie side, I'm going to be able to look back on that information and show that your phone, that my phone entered your vicinity. Yeah. I just got a breaking email from somebody regarding the DoorDash time discrepancy. So I'll read it to you. It says the affidavit states that the DoorDash belonging to Xana was delivered at approximately 4 a.m. But the DoorDash application for Jack in the Box for that area states that the last delivery and closing time was at 2.45 a.m. Now, this wouldn't be the first time that law enforcement has misled or lied to the public. 
That's true. So then that means it couldn't have been Jack in the Box then, right? Well, it, it, it could still have been Jack in the Box, but it just would have been early. The Jack in the Box wouldn't have been there at four. It would have been there before two. Well, the only Jack in the Box in that area is Pullman. So the last order was taken at 245. <laughs> but it took him some time to drive it. That means it, an, an hour and 15 minutes, you know, to deliver that, which may not be inconceivable. I mean, because, hell, it might take almost that long for a pizza to get delivered to you, especially if you're crossing state lines. But um, it doesn't seem like that it was Jack in the Box. And I think we're just making that assumption because there was a Jack in the Box bag on the table, you know, with her name written on it. Um, might be true. There's a lot we don't know. Yeah. This is a comment I got yeah, but I, in the email. I got a, this comment email earlier, and I, I think I want to know your opinion on this concept. Uh, it says, for whatever reason, some flaw of my own, probably the paradox between how he is often portrayed in the media and who he actually seems to be drives me nuts. Do you think that this guy was some mastermind do you think he still has some grand plan that he's still living out some kind of uh plan or do you think that he just is a nothing burger that did a bad thing with not a plan Um, just emotions and he's gonna pay i i think he saw i'm you know really i'll say i'm 50 50 if 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 i can Say that I'll say I'm 50 50 half of me wants to say that they're the conspiracy side of me which is the other half of me wants to say that uh the, the police are involved and that they're really framing this dude and that they planted that knife sheath and that's the only information of DNA that they have on him that's mm-hmm. what half of me wants to believe but I know that that's not the popular narrative um the other half wants to say that this guy thought he was bigger than himself. Like I said in the, in the other broadcast, I think he had a super God complex. He got above and beyond himself. Um, and he, he, he thought he had the perfect crime. You know, I think he just snapped and just went into his own and just, you know, he committed to doing it. I mean, like I said, it's one thing pulling up to the house that has five cars, but now it's a whole nother thing walking up to the door or the sliding glass door, or, or climbing up that ladder and going in through the window. That's a whole nother thing. You know, then now you're inside. Now you've committed yourself to doing whatever you're going to do with this little weak-ass knife that you have, which I don't understand was on a belt buckle, because anybody that has common sense that has worn one of those knives, if you're really using it to get busy, you're going to have it on a belt buckle. You know, that's why, what makes me go back to the conspiracy side and say, well, damn, you know, if you're going to be a killer like that, one, why would you wear all black and have this bright tan sheath on your hip? And two, why would you not have it attached to your hip and you would leave that at the crime scene? You would almost think that if you're going to, if you're so gangster to do that, that when you came back at nine o'clock in the morning and saw that there was no police cars and whatsoever, you might think that a person would have just went back up there and found a little knife sheath and kept it pushing. If they're that gangster to already go into a house that has five cars. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, 
there has been cases when police have planted evidence. That's that's a fact. If this one is or not, I don't know, but that definitely could be something that the defense brings up to for reasonable doubt. Yeah, like I told you in the story before, when the cops pulled me over there in Grangeville, Idaho, you they took it. my gun, but they they didn't list it as my property. The cop told me to my face, like, "Hey, this is I'm going to give this to my wife," because it was a pearl handled uh, twenty five. You know, it wasn't no manly gun. It wasn't no Glock or nothing like that. I was a young kid, just had a little handgun whatsoever in the in the trunk of my vehicle. But the cop took it, and he kept it. So what's to say that, like, you know, hypothetically saying that, you know, say if, you know, had this weird infatuation with this college girl, couldn't get her, she rejected you, you go kill her, and you want to leave some evidence, boom, here's this gun that I took, you know, from this guy, you know, or here's this knife chief, or, you know, it's not inconceivable to think that because I know that we live in a world that's capable of that type of corruption. It's definitely capable of it. You know, we 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 want to live in a world where we think that no, this is good old America, home of the you know land of the free and the brave and whatsoever, and we have constitutional rights and cops are good people and they uphold law. But you know, when you get that much power, dude, it just there's that much more corruption that comes along with it. Well, but we in do. this situation, we do have constitutional rights if you have the money to defend yours. Yeah, yeah, and, and most <laughs> of the time people don't even let it know off the rip that they're aware of their constitutional rights, and that's usually when the cops will just start violating you in the first place if you know if you don't uphold your rights. You know that's why it's really important. You know, it's like a lot of people they learn this song from Lil Wayne or Taylor Swift or Kanye, or whatever. Man, you better memorize your constitutional rights. Yes. and apply them everywhere you go, especially now that cops have body cams, because when you do invoke your constitutional rights and they violate them, there's now proof with body cameras. When I was a teenager, there wasn't body cameras. You know, you could have told a cop, no, you can't search my car, and they still would have searched your car and maybe sure. even planted some dope in there whatsoever, and there would have been no proof of that. But now with them having body cams, it's kind of hard to um, for them to do that, and especially if you're on camera telling them, like, hey, you're violating my Fourth Amendment right, and, and you know, and you're violating my Second Amendment right, and don't tell me to shut up. You're violating my First Amendment right, and I will shut up. Don't violate my Fifth Amendment right. You know, if you don't invoke the rights on them folks, then they will easily and gladly run over you. I appreciate your calling tonight. I'm starting to run out of time, but I do have one final question for you. Yes, sir. Did you enjoy the show tonight? Did you think it was a pretty good show? Man, all your shows are excellent shows, dude. You, 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 your personality is what sets the tone for your show. You allow real people to come on here and express themselves. The story, um, I forget the young man's name, the dude from California that, you know, was on the, the psychotropics oh, yeah. and all that stuff and sharing his experience. You know, that's real stuff. You know, it's not easy to do. Calling your number is not easy to do, but, to, you know, actually share that type of stuff with the world and you know the lady that called afterwards bless her heart you know her theory kind of goes along with our original theory before the the suspect was captured you know it would it would have fit perfect you know because she's telling the truth you know that's not how cops should be 
conducting themselves, especially if they're yanking five hundred dollars off of him, her, and them, and they. You know, dude, you should have enough money to put a real CB and, and light system in this car, and you know, it's just all of that is still suspect to me. The night vision scope still suspect. The the way that they treated those kids still suspect to me. Yeah. You know, so that's what you know. I I can't help but to think that you know, there there is an element of corruption that could be somewhere present in this situation. Well, you know, at the end of the day, too, at the end of the day, too, you weren't wrong because uh, Koberger was some form of law enforcement or criminologist coming up. So, yeah, we have a really good uh, that, audience here, uh, including you. When you called in that first time and gave us information you had and the people that called in tonight, we have a really good audience. And that's what this show is about. It's not about me. It's about a conversation. Yeah. And other confirmation, too, was watching that interview with Steve Goncalves, and he had said it. He said, this guy has a superiority complex. This guy has a God complex. This guy, you know, thought he was God, you know what I'm saying? And, and the dad was even, you know, able to say that. You know, that was something that I recognized from the beginning, and my biggest indicator of that was the two people that he let live, you know. He, he knew those other people were in the house. He didn't make a mistake in that. He 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 went there to go kill four people. He went there to kill. Yeah. 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 Do you think he was yeah, targeting was everybody that he ended their life, or do you think he wanted everybody in the house and backed off? Nah. I think he went into a psychosis phase whereas Ethan was the dad, Zana was the mom, and uh, Maddie and um, Kaylee were the sisters. So he did and it and I, 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 Yeah. He did I, it I think in his done. mind, yeah, I think in his mind that was his payback for him being separated from his family and not being able to spend the holidays with his family, like a little spoiled brat. You know, the dude, if... dude was probably a spoiled, a spoiled brat his whole life. His mom probably been feeding him pills since he was six years old and, and probably just, you know, the, the parents, you know, have to take some responsibility for this too, especially, like I said, if this is his, his first time being away from his family at 28 years old, you know, this behavior was learned somewhere. Well, we're going to continue there, to cover there was this. Indication. We're going to continue to cover this case. Anytime you want to call in, you go ahead and do that. I appreciate it. Uh, for sure, man. Yeah. God bless you, dude. Keep up the good work. And, uh, I always support your show. I share it with all my people in, in my little network. Every time I come on here, I share it with my people, and they're just amazed every time. You know, uh, 0.08% of views probably came from my little audience as well. <laughs> well. I appreciate that, guys. If you guys like the show, share it with people. If you guys like the show, how about giving us some uh, thumbs up? There's only like 200 and something now. There's about 3,000 views and yeah, 200 and something thumbs up. Come on, guys. We work hard Yeah, go for ahead you. and hit them thumbs up, man. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and hit the. It means a lot. The, the shares, the thumbs up, uh, commenting, just interacting with this page. It really, it, analytically, it really means a lot. I'm a YouTuber too, and I and I know that it, it all counts. You know, so keep up the good work, uh, Midnight. Appreciate it. Thank you. You have a good evening. You too.
All right, salute to your viewers as well. Appreciate All it. Right. All right, guys, we're going to wrap the show up here. Let's see, what I, what did I have for you? I did have something for you. Before we wrap up, Jenna had a request. She's not here. She went to bed. Oh, there she is. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I was talk- I don't normally talk about you, Jenna. She requested I put my outro on the show, so I'm going to go ahead when I end this. Let's start our music, shall we? I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. If you'd be interested in helping support this show, we have three levels. Midnight Supporters, $2.99. Midnighter is $4.99. That lets you in the Discord, gives you access to special videos and exclusive live streams. Then we have our writing class. It's called the Midnight Riders. That's $9.99 a month. You can cancel at any time. And we have a writing class. We have one video a week and a live stream. And support for that is in our Discord for the last two. You can join our Discord if you are a Midnighter or Midnight Rider. Some of you just joined today. I think there might have been a gift a gift membership going around today that some of you might got, might have had. If you did, go ahead and go to our you can look on our community page and you can see our Discord link. You can join that. The information to do that is there. There is a whole lot more information on our Discord than we can ever have time to show one here. You want to talk about some wild ass speculations or theories? That's your place. That's where people go after the show and in between shows. There's somebody there all the time. We have uh, It's pretty awesome there. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Let me give you this outro here and then we will call tonight. Thank you guys. I appreciate you all very much.